There he is, Captain Birdeye. Fucking uh, hell, it's a fucking hair bear bunch. <laughs> Have you not heard of topiary? I, yeah, I'm married to a hairdresser as well. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, there's the chest rug. She hates it. She hates, she's like, she's chased me around with scissors, which obviously is not wise. You literally look like Jesus. Who's that so other guy? Like... Not David Bellamy. Who's the other one? Um... <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Up quite well. Uh, Leo Gordon's alive. Look, we can't take the piss out of the boss. Can. Or are, you, are you the boss? <laughs> he he thinks he's the boss. He ain't a fucking boss. This is the first time we've had two guests on at the same time. It's going to be messy. No, it's not. It is, isn't it? No, it's not. It's going to give us the song. No, I'm pretty sure it is. Your guitar, only. Come on. We had Simon on with Nick at one point, I think. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, sorry, Simon. (laughs) Anyway, just bounded into a podcast record. I'm like, here I am. Have have we started? Are we going to start? You know, all this goes in, don't you? If you're shut up, then yes. It's not going to happen. Go on then. You didn't time it right. He does this shit to me all the time. Yeah, but I I like the start to be professional. I don't just continue anyway. That's what she said. But you're going to edit it shitely anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, there's that word again. Matter. Anytime today. (laughs) Such a prick. Such a prick. I apologise for him. Helen, ah, fuck my voice. What the fuck was that? that? Teenagers. Fucking. Hang on, I'm I'm wilting. Me 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 mic's gone all floppy. Right, that's what she said. Put a lazy band around the bass. Buttery biscuit bass. We haven't watched that one yet. (laughs) Fucking hell. Just be Craig's line until you're ready. Hello, Internet. I am Firebolt. And I'm the Orbiter. (laughs) (laughs) And today we have two very special guests. Debatable. I mean, (laughs) at least one of them is particularly special. (laughs) We've got to behave. Oh, harsh, Nick. We've got to behave. Craig is is very special. (laughs) Um, Appropriately enough, uh, what number am I thinking of? 69, dude. Yes, welcome to episode 69, which is... um. Have you seen it yet? Which? The Face the Music. I have seen Face the Music. Craig hasn't seen Bogus Journey, so don't ask what him about anything. What the fuck? Oh, come he on. Had, Craig hadn't seen Excellent Adventure until about two years ago, when I was like, have you not seen Excellent Adventure, you fucking turd? I must admit, I must admit, Bogus Journey, I did enjoy more on the rewatch than Excellent Adventure, even though it was uh, kind of, yeah, it was, it was very good. Excellent yeah. soundtrack. Anyway, uh, I digress. It, what we're talking, we're talking about today. Yeah, we've got the... I've, I've had a beer already, I'm sorry. I apologise. We've got the podfather, Craig, and I don't believe you have a nickname on our thing yet. Soap Dish. Oh, okay. Or is that... Uh, yeah, uh, that's so. That's so. Like 2014. No, why? It's been, my, it's been my nickname since 2001. What's your problem? Oh, Doctor Pe- Dre. That came out in 2000. Bastard. I'm so close. I hit the post. He looks like Jesus now. 
Anyway, he we've got drive. Craig and Nick on. I guess. <laughs> he literally um, looks like he's floating on water. I thought you meant he's nailed to a piece of wood. He could be in the bath now, just floating. Whoa, don't do the sign of the cross, Nick. You're going to hell. Don't call Nick a floater. <laughs> he's killed me much worse than that. <clears throat> I'm going to hell anyway. Can- hell doesn't exist. <laughs> You're not getting a word in Can today. we get in with the format <laughs> and do the news? News. So today, this is this doesn't go out till next Thursday, so you might Donald, be dead oh, by then. Okay, Donald well, Trump is personal, dead. Personal news first. Oh, The oh, Orbiter, yeah. by the time this goes out, will have reached the grand old oh, yeah. age of 94. 49. <laughs> it's my birthday on Tuesday, or two oh, days happy ago. Oh, birthday. Oh, 49, dude. Yeah. That's almost half a century. It's older than Craig. Yeah, it, it is. It's only just, though. Yeah. 46 I am, I'm 46 Well, funnily enough, some of the stuff we'll be talking about later on You might remember um, oh From from the decade where racism was particularly acceptable but Has racism never been? Decade. <laughs> Surely racism is more acceptable now than it was even in the 80s uh, well, Racism isn't acceptable anytime. It's normalised now There you go yeah, well, I I don't think it's just renamed as the suburbs. Yeah. We we skipped over the news. Come on, let's rewind. Trump. Yes, um, Trump <laughs> apparently has um, COVID nineteen. Oh, there's a couple of sort of. Did you see his physician? Here. His physician out on the outside the hospital today, doing his interview. Yeah, I did with the media. Dodging just about every question. I don't want to say anything about that. I don't want to. He's just on the. I'm just watching the news now. He's had some work done. That physician. His skin <laughs> is. His skin is like glass. I've I've got to say, it reminded me a lot of the death of Stalin. Yeah, I think someone said um, the sort of shot of the doctors at the sort of press podium looked yeah. like it had been lifted straight from there. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that now you mention it. Mm. Um, so, so, what's your th- what's your thoughts on 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 this situation then? Because we've been chatting about it, like me and Craig and and some of the other podcasters, we've been chatting about it a bit. Um, and obviously, this is something that is unfolding right now. As yeah, it's mm. being recorded. Well, there's been some doubts this about whether so or not he actually has it. It's going to be so out of date. From what I've gathered. I think he probably does because I mean it's just a statistical probability, really. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna go straight out there and say what I think. Probably a lot of people are thinking, but don't want to say. But not in the way that I think. Um, a lot of people will say, "Well, I wouldn't wish for anyone to die from it." Yeah, that this is I'm not going as controversial as you think I'm going to. But I'm just trying to think of all the outcomes that could happen, and in terms of politically i don't think there's a good outcome for america other than that um careful what you wish for though i know but that's what i'm saying i don't i don't want that to happen but i'm just thinking of all the other options like for instance if he makes a full recovery he's going to sell it as though um it wasn't such a big thing to be or that you know, he's he's strong. I mean, this was what gets on my nerves is like Boris saying, oh, are you sure they're, they're both going to come through it strongly and all this lot? Like it's got well, anything that, to do this with... This is the thing now. Uh, I think 
the sort of three main strongman leaders of the West, Boris Johnson, uh, Jair Bolsonaro and Trump, have now all gotten COVID from their own hubris, essentially. None of them have died yet, but it's sort of... Sorry, it, it feels... Isn't the hubris in between the vagina and the bumhole? I... No, it's the plectrum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm messing about with the sound. Isn't that know? what you played the guitar with? Yeah. No, no it's a spectrum. I thought it was the perineum. I was just trying to make I was just trying to make an awful joke. No, you know what I mean? I d I don't I don't want to be misunderstood here. I'm not i I'm not saying that I want Donald Trump to die. I'm just saying of all the outcomes politically for America, anything other than that is probably going to be more damaging. The best I could say about it is that I'm indifferent to it in the same way that I'm indifferent to the 200,000 other deaths that he's exacerbated in his inaction on the pandemic. I'm not saying I want Donald Trump to die, but I'll probably have a street party. <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> You're literally with... not allowed. A part of me wants him yeah. to die, though, like, horribly. And that scares me about myself, but it's it feels justified. No, it doesn't. You know what? You shouldn't feel like that, and I'll tell you why. Because what what he's done in his tenure, in the in the four years or so that he's been in power, and all right, he took the inauguration in January, so it's not you know when when the election happens, and then when they actually like come into to power, there's a there's a period of time that that lapses. But what happened is very similar to what we saw here, especially in England, with regards to Brexit. And I don't know what it's like in Scotland, but I, I remember waking up the morning of Brexit and I hold my hand up, very embarrassed about it. But I voted for Brexit for all the reasons other people didn't vote for it. And I was obviously very mis misled like a lot of people, but it was certainly not to do. Brexit. But it was certainly not to do with, you know, getting the immigrants out. Yeah. That wasn't what I, you know, that wasn't part of my rhetoric at all. But obviously I learned that was the majority of it. I remember waking up like after Brexit and hearing all of these things that were happening that first weekend where you got graffiti like saying, right, get, get out of our country and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh my God, what have we allowed to happen? I yeah. think that with respect to that, that's the sort of, people that would do something like that and outwardly espouse those views are probably in quite a slim minority of those yeah, voters. Yeah, they'll, they'll have yeah, but, but legitimised. Yeah, they're the sort yeah. of uh, Normalized the, uh, wider well. part of the whole electorate and Remain voters are included in this that sort of have this casual racism where they'll just sort of have sort of narratives about people they won't inherently see black people as being stupid or whatever but that sort of have unconscious uh opinions about things yes but what happened was it then completely legitimized their yeah. freedom to do that that was a problem i didn't realize i, I think very naively i didn't realize that people genuinely felt like that and as soon as that happened, all of a sudden, it felt like, oh, okay, Brexit's happening. That means I can now sprout this stuff without any kind of fear of repercussion. And what we saw when Trump first got into power 
um, after that election result was announced is the same kind of thing. Like almost immediately, you know, Mexicans were being targeted and going, you know, you need to go back before the walls built and all this kind of stuff. You know, you you saw this thing. You started seeing more and more of these personal attacks physically and you verbally. Know, what worries me is, before. I think both sides of the Atlantic as well, what worries me is that over the over the time that, that has um, passed since those events took place, since Trump came in and since we voted for Brexit, is how um, everything seems... All those things that shocked us that were happening straight after the vote... Um, seem to have kind of disappeared from the news and things have become, you know, like kids being kept in cages and them talking about putting refugees on ferries and stuff like that just seems normal now, even though, you know, it's not kind of acceptable. It's just it's just not that well, big that a new, news item anymore. Recently, the t- Home Office talking about deporting people and processing them on Ascension Island for some reason. Oh, and the wave machine. Don't forget the wave machine that was going to push the boats back. They were going to have oh, was that water something to do with a wall? A wall in the channel or something? Well, yeah, so what it was, it, was, uh, it wasn't a physical wall, although that had also been muted. But one of the other uh, harebrained ideas was that they were going to have these really powerful jet machines um, near Dover, which would, as boats came towards them, it would, they would be switched on to basically push them back. And of course, the the problem with that is immediately, oh well, they might capsize, so we can't we can't possibly do that. But even the fact that he was even spoken about for a second is is just mental. But it's just so it's just so bizarre as well. Um, I think this is something with um that whole Operation Moonshot thing, where they're mm. planning to pour billions of pounds into something for which the technology doesn't exist. Meanwhile, other countries are just getting on with actually implementing effective measures. I think Italy uh, had like a half an hour test that they used at airports that they're now using in schools. So I, I think this is something that Boris Johnson did with Brexit as well, uh, with like the Northern Irish border, planning to do really weird, complicated checks that just are impossible with current technology. Well, there was... The thing about like they're practically talking about having a virtual border around Kent, aren't they? Yeah, just I mean, it's what Craig's wanted for in Liverpool for years <laughs> is for them to be called their own their own build place. a wall, build exactly. a wall. Um, but what what all this is what all this is breeding is a breaking up of the union. You know, yeah, because yeah. Mm. Scotland have been banging on about it for four or five years. They had since they had the vote. I can't remember and, on it for a while longer, but yeah, that's where it well, sort of well, entered yeah, into it, public well, eye. Now Wales are starting to talk about it. Yeah, I did yeah. notice that. Um, I think it was and on I've, Frankie Boyle's thing. I've talking never about heard Welsh of Wales talking about independence. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just it's, it's in fashion. <laughs> but but where does it stop? Does Cornwall break away? You know, joking aside. Does Liverpool? We don't class ourselves as English. We're we're Scousers, but where does it stop? Toss, <laughs> tosses, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It it just and It'll and it, we're, we're all what happens. we're all looking to blame um, somebody or something for the state that we're in at the moment, and it all sounds very familiar. It, it's a build up to the Second World War, basically. 
we're, we're reliving it. We're looking for somebody to blame for our hardships, for everything that we've put ourselves in by deregulating the banks, by dirty money, dirty but loans. Who do you think is going to get it this time? It's not you the know, average person that voted for that directly, though. They may have voted for the Tories and been tricked into voting for that indirectly, but if you ask people if they want to cut taxes for the rich and uh, strip back, uh, like, roll in privatisation for the NHS, various things like that, they'd probably say no, but then when you put them up against all the fear-mongering against someone like Jeremy Corbyn, then they're like, oh yeah, we'll go with that, that's a sensible option. Yeah, and the NHS was exactly the reason why I voted for Brexit. I thought, um, I I really... Did you say breakfast then? Yeah, breakfast. I voted for breakfast. I like breakfast. Uh, get out for breakfast. Um, I, I, you know, bought into that whole thing of, you know, without if we don't need to pay into the European Union, we can pay into the NHS. And knowing that that was something that was really struggling because I knew people that worked in it, I was like, well, that that makes sense. Of course, yeah. it makes sense. But you know, it was just stupidity on my part. But going back to your original point, Fireball, which is where we kind of led to now about your feelings on Trump and. Uh, you know, feeling bad about your views on on what happens to him. The point I was trying to make was that he's not a nice man. Not only is he not a nice man, he has led, um, in my opinion, he's led America to be, to allow the racism to fester and manifest and and grow over the last four years. He's never denounced it. Um, even the other day at the debate. You know, he he said the, the the thing about the Proud Boys, which he's now kind of like saying, "Oh no, I didn't mean it like that," but he clearly said it. Yeah, and he pretended he's never heard of them now, hasn't he? Exactly. It's it's absolute he does nonsense. That a lot. Yeah, associates with someone really shady, and then go. Thing is, though, who is that? At his age, no you, clue. At his age, do you think it's it's calculated, or do you think he's he's literally just going senile? No, he's he's playing the, the bumbling fool. I mean, There's look, people we, around we've got that are doing yeah. that. But yeah. We've got one we've got one in charge. I can yeah. see all the signs. And one of the things that I posted out the other day, um, when, when talking to some other friends about this whole situation with, with Trump and, and the COVID is the storyline is very similar to what we got with Boris. Boris got um announced as having COVID and he was okay. And then within about 24 hours, he was taken to hospital. Yeah. And then we were hearing conflicting stories that the narrative is exactly the same. And you, and, and what we saw with Boris after he, he pulled through is that, you know, the popularity then kind of changed. The narrative changed in the, the country's opinion of what was going on, and especially with regards to what his party were doing. And the timing of this is, and that's the worst thing. I know, I know, you shouldn't think of it like that, but the timing of this is just so um, so unusual. It came after a very catastrophic debate that, yeah. that happened. No one looked particularly good, but Trump obviously came off a lot worse than it. Yeah. His popularity has started to tank, and the only people who seem to really care are this, this kind of cult that he has been able to captivate very much in the same way that we had it over, we have it over here. And Look, the, the bottom line is he's not a nice man. He's denounced all of these deaths. He's never taken ownership for it. He's spent time saying masks are not required. He's turned around saying it's not a problem. He's turned around saying the sunshine will kill it. Uh, inject yourself with bleach. 
um, all this kind of nonsense to kind of get away from it and you know just not accepted responsibility for what he's done he is responsible for a lot more deaths than he will ever well he won't admit to any of them but he you know he's responsible for a lot of what's gone on in america and the reason why it's still so high even now just around coronavirus as well ignoring the past three years of his presidency that were also horrible and the situation now where i think he declared uh like Portland, Seattle, and New York anarchist jurisdictions, which is just kind of weird, but it feels like a sort of cry to um, remove them from taking part in the election, essentially. And also as well, like if you want to go back even, even further than that, way, way in the past, before he was even looking at becoming president, right? I, I watched that show last year about Central Park Five. Yeah, you know, he took a full page ad, ad out in um, the New York. Uh, wasn't I think it was the New York Times? Um, you know, asking for them to be given a death penalty based on the little evidence they had, even then at the time, and calling them f- for the death penalty for the you know alleged rape of this woman. I mean, obviously, when I say alleged rape, I mean their involvement in it. She was clearly raped, and you know, luckily they managed to find out who did it later on. But the fact that he went to that effort. And even now, the fact that they got released, that yeah. they had their conviction overturned, and he still will not accept that they are innocent is disgraceful. See, I sort of get the sort of calls about uh, what Trump deserves and what someone might wish upon him being two different things, but I don't really get it from the sort of conservatives that have called for the death penalty on criminals with shaky convictions uh especially with relation to like the uk talking about migrants in the mediterranean like cockroaches essentially calling for them to die and be drowned and specifically going out of their way to just be as horrible as they can to some of the most downtrodden people on the planet it's going to be an interesting few every time like since for the last three or four years i think i've been just saying this year or this next six months is going to be really interesting it's like i mean but if you think about the rest of this year and and next year as well once we get past 31st of december just like there's no you just don't know what's going to happen do you covid and brexit at the moment are going hand in hand and they are burying news stories left, right, and centre. It's a perfect whenever shield, isn't it? Yeah, whenever something <clears> big <throat> for COVID uh, is coming out, there'll be a big Brexit story, and when and vice versa. So, two, three weeks ago, dating this again, but there was all these um, rubber dinghies coming across the, the the North Sea, and you know that was burying the COVID news. Yeah, and no one, no one's reporting on them now. You quite clearly notice as well in sort of reaction to sort of increased uh, awareness of Black Lives Matter, um, bringing out these stories of oh, the BBC is going to stop playing uh, Rule Britannia or something. Oh, like that, that. was. And it's like <laughs> nobody fucking cares. That's just well, no, that's not true. 
absolute gammons care. Well, yeah, they care that it's there, but just but so they can sing care. about that, an empire that doesn't exist anymore. That land of hope and but glory effect, ruins dude. ruins pomp and circumstance anyway. Elgar hated it. Yeah, <clears throat> but, but the thing is, anyway, with regards to that, that this whole story was about an event that people couldn't attend. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not you know people turning around saying they can't they can't stop us singing it. Well, they literally are stopping you singing it because you're not allowed to be there. Yeah. If you want to be at home watching it on the telly and sing along to it, knock yourselves out. Yeah. No one's saying that you you are not able to do that anymore, but you were talking about an event that didn't involve any any audience anyway. So there was not mm. going to be a sing along. It was just another distraction tactic. And we're seeing it more and more and you know, we're definitely seeing in America look this has also come hot off the hills. What was it? Uh, Trump got announced with having COVID the early hours of Friday morning in the UK, which was what four days after the whole seven hundred and fifty dollar paid in tax. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, this week, Monday through Friday for Trump was tax returns in dispute, awful debate on Tuesday. Um, another um, rally event on on Wednesday, where again, you know, social distancing and, and uh, anti-maskers were apparent. Um, and then, you know, Thursday, I'm getting a bit sick. You know, it, it, the, the timing was just very convenient again. Mm. Totally different subject, but you know, I thought it was quite quite uh, everything. Obviously, is happening online now. I take it. I mean. Craig, you're you're obviously driving again, aren't you? You're driving. Oh, I've, yeah, I've never not been driving. But do you work from home, Nick? Yes. Yeah. So um, obviously everything's happening. I'm I'm glad that neither of us are are actually in all the residence now. We're mm. now we're students. Um, but Chat one of dodging hippies. <laughs> one of the one of the tutorials I did this week. There was a one of our um, one of the students that was on on the call was. On their basically on on their phone on a bus in Hong Kong, wow, <laughs> which was interesting. They're go, apparently going to be in Aberdeen in about a month or something, but it's like I wouldn't bother. Yeah, yeah <laughs> who got a better internet connection there anyway? Being stranded abroad that were planning to come up to study, but they've had like flights cancelled and stuff. But, um, yeah, so. Um, I was going to play you a short clip of something, but I, I don't really need to. I'll just make reference to it because you'll have seen plenty of it before. You will. Do you guys remember... Well, Craig, you might. Do you remember Love Thy Neighbour in the 70s? Vaguely. Well, if you, if you have a look on uh, YouTube sometime, listeners, um, there's a compilation of racist moments from love thy neighbor and it is really uncomfortable to watch i bet it's really long as well yeah yeah um, <laughs> two hours <laughs> but i think the the weird You'll thing about it is that is hearing the audience laughter um at basically the i mean i don't want to repeat any of what's said but it's it's out and out racist stuff but it's the, what i find interesting is obviously um in that context, it's meant as comedy. Um, but it, what what's changed, I think, is that is what is acceptable as comedy now is is very different. And I think 
while it might not be intended to be insulting or harmful to anyone at the time, it's the way that kind of seeps into cultural attitudes through kind of being exposed to it. I'm not sure of the specific examples here, but a lot of these things, it's sort of... um, You you can joke about racism, but if... And you can joke about uh, topics involving disabled people, gay people, but if you strip it back and the joke is just they're black, they're gay, they're disabled, then... It it fails on a comedic level, not only a sort of social responsibility level. Well, I, th- I think one of the big you difficulties... Gingers, you'd always miss the gingers out. <laughs> oh, there's no, a brilliant song that. by um, Tim Minchin uh, about that. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, yes, there is, actually. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I've lost lost the plot. Oh, yeah, there was a thing in the news a few days ago. They're talking... Uh, they're, they're trying to bring in... Um, obviously, there's different things that that are classed as hate crimes in terms of racism and and um, sexism and and all that. But they're trying to bring in different um, definitions that will cover things such as ageism and which don't actually create any extra laws, but they allow the law to define specific other offences under those terms, like. Um, assault or whatever on the basis of yeah, uh, age or, or hair length or, you know, all these different things. And I think the the difficulty with, with the comedy thing is that I kind of get that thing about um, offence is something that people take. Um, you know, it's not given. And, and it's something might be intended in good humour, but you can't gauge how it's received when it's given out blanket to everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? You right. you can you can make a joke with somebody who you know takes it well, and you can assess how they take it. But if you're putting something out on the TV or on a podcast, you can't gauge how every single member of your audience is going to take it. You can't guarantee somebody's not going to be insulted or offended. Oh, so it's a different playing field, you know. We we've got in trouble before because we've said stuff and and people have taken and and you thought in your you know obviously you got to be quite careful with what you say um quite often and I, I i've never deliberately gone out of my way to say something that i thought was going to be that controversial might actually hurt somebody um and it goes to show that you can pretty much upset people in in thousands of different ways without really intending to but i do think um how things are taken are quite important so um you said about uh, i mentioned i heard you mention alf garnet yeah. Now, Alf Garnet was was a really is a really funny case because Alf Garnet was, uh, according to the creator, was used as a kind of uh, not someone to champion, but as someone to kind of ridicule because of their outdated views and and how wrong they were. Yeah. But the audience of of Alf Garnet of of those shows that he was in, um, very much took the opposite view and took him as, you know, you could be a bigot, you could be a racist, you could be sexist. This is and that was a good thing. Some, because, it, um, because it made people laugh. This is something that I've noticed well, with a lot of older comedies and even, like, going well, to modern theatre shows oh, where... Oh, Cherry Pepsi Max. Uh, well, certain jokes elicit a different reaction from the audience that feels very uncomfortable but I know that's not to do with what's actually on screen or on stage. What? 
uh, <laughs> well, a, a good example would be, um, uh, I think you played in Legally Blonde. Mm. Uh, there's a song in that called Gay or European, which as a song, it's it's fine. There's nothing particularly bad in it. Uh, but it was kind of the way that the audience responded that just kind of made me feel like, oh, I th- I'm not one of these people. <laughs> but you know, I think that that might have been specifically uh, or might be more relevant to an American audience. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it was particularly because the, the gay or European character was played by I think a teenager. A fairly young person like acting quite extravagantly in that sort of way it was kind of weird have either of you seen or heard of avenue q uh i've seen it multiple times is it still on and it's no. not still on is it no. no it's it's um it's been touring for a bit yeah um and uh, i mean I, I don't believe it's touring now obviously it's, it's literally not touring now but what i mean is i don't think there was an active um tour but it was one a year or two ago yeah, it was going around the country, but um, yeah, I saw it about three or four times in a, in the West End. I was a big fan. Is this the proper thing? Everyone's yeah. a little bit racist. Is that the song in there? Hey, the the song is everyone's a little bit racist. The last the... line of the song is that. Oh right, okay. So that's like the punchline at the end because the that line is sung by a Chinese character, but yeah, the, but that's the only time it's sung like that is the very last line of the song. Because that's that's interesting. I mean, like I. I think most people who maybe are racist would think that they're not or would claim not to be. I'm sure there there are plenty that are kind of out and out racist and proud of it. But um, I certainly wouldn't think of myself as racist. But then having said that, when I think about it, there's times when I could have been accused of it. For instance, the way that I've maybe talked about the Welsh or, you know... Um, Maybe even like always just, exceptions. Yeah, using it's, using strange accents and stuff like that. Well, yeah, there's that sort of um, sort of jokey kind of racism, but then you get to that sort of more serious kind where not it, it's more just not realizing how you benefit from certain institutions that uh, are sort of embroiled in racism, but also how you might uh, sort of feed those things. If that makes sense. Well, you know, do you know subconscious, what I think? isn't it? Subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. What I think is really important, a really important distinction with this, is that if you say something innocently and it's pointed out that actually that could be seen as racist or um, as insensitive or something like that. I feel it's then what you decide to do about that. If you go on the defense and try and say, well, no, that's not the intention at all. And actually, you know, and kind of go on a a, a little rant about it, then I think that kind of proves the point. Mm. But I think just saying something that can be construed that way without the intention behind it being of such, I think that's quite an important distinction to make because I mean, even I, I remember laughing at Little Britain. That's probably the the last time. That's scary watching some of that now. Well, that's what I mean. And and the thing is, watching that and also what was the follow up? Come fly with me, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I I watched that, and 
you know, now I'm thinking about it and you've got Matt Lucas portraying an Asian actor with, you know, like brown body paint on or whatever he was using makeup. Um, the characters in Little Britain were again, they blacked up. Yeah. I didn't see it. I'd, I'd, and when you think about it, you think, well, of course it is, but I didn't see it as, uh, as, as racist or possibly offending people. No, but of course it was, of course it, you look back and you go, yeah, actually it's, it's really insensitive. I did. And I did ask, you know, um, Pate if he would, uh, be interested in coming on, but he wasn't available because he's Dutch. Uh, is he Dutch or is he yeah, he's he's from is. Netherlands? I get it mixed up because I offend people by getting Holland and the Netherlands mixed up. And, and Holland is a region Netherlands. of the Netherlands that's often confused for the whole country. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, yeah, have you heard of Black Peter? Mm, yes. Have we talked about Black Pete before, Craig? Oh, you brought, yeah, you brought it up on... Um, uh, it was either um, Discover DLP or... It was I think the last it might have been, yeah. Disney Parks and Beyond. Um yeah. that that made me look it up. Um and and they they the Netherlands have been asked by the United Nations to stop kind of using it. Do you know about Black Peter? Yeah. Black Peter. It's kind of it's something that it's sort of in the same sort of vein as like the minstrel shows that you would have seen in America and Britain with white people playing black people basically making a joke out of black people but well the, the black and white minstrels is on um it's christmas podcast quite regularly the the, the plug the, he had to get the plug in there <laughs> and genuinely <laughs> yeah. in the in 1950s great britain the black and white minstrels were topping the the well, album chart I, I remember seeing it in, uh, every saturday night in the 1970s and you know so even right through the 60s as you say they were there but do you, and do you remember there was a program i can't remember what it was but lenny henry whited up in something well he made a film where he did that called i think off the top of my head true identity oh it could have been um, yeah but no I, but i think he I, I think he did it elsewhere um, there's been americans of who have american actors who've done the same what's the the one it was a comedy white chips i think yeah there was there's two things here so there was there was um a thing a while ago a few months ago where people were um accusing robert downey jr of being racist because i think tropic thunder had just been on tv or something Mm. yeah and so they were saying well he's racist because he's done this now if you've not seen the film which i actually think is a good film but i've not seen it for a while robert downey jr plays an actor who is like so method it hurts yeah it's basically the three amigos yeah but i'm talking the context of the character yeah, yeah. so you know the, the joke is is that he felt he needed to become a black man uh, to portray this this character in this film and the whole film he's ridiculed for it because obviously that it's just unnecessary and ridiculous and and racist so that's that's the almost a punchline of the whole character this yeah. guy's gone so method he's, it's it's too far it's sort of out of context taking where the joke is that they're racist right as the, had they had the it's had supporting the, had the that film kind of made yeah had the film kind of not done that then yeah you can absolutely point out it's, it's almost the opposite of little britain 
And then with white chicks, because people were then saying, well, white chicks is racist. Well, no, white chicks is a racist. The whole gimmick behind that is you've got two police officers, and I've only seen it once, so I'm trying to remember this as best I can. But you've got two black policemen who need to go undercover because they, you know, people will recognise them. And so they go as incognito as possible, which is, you know, putting on this ridiculously uh, awful prosthetic white makeup uh and and becoming women like again the whole if you're taking it completely out of context yeah you can argue there might be some kind of racism in either of those films but then neither of them really are it's it's interesting though because the the more sort of we talk about the different ways that racism has appeared on tv and in film the more you sort of kind of getting towards does art in general have a responsibility to um, highlight this stuff by yeah, it's a difficult line to walk and obviously people are going to get get it wrong from time to time but but is it is it something that comedy and art forms need to need to highlight because it, it it's somewhere that it can be done i think with a lot of these things like the issues of sort of white people not knowing when they're being racist by making certain jokes that with a greater knowledge of the context in which that happened, like you could understand how that's a problem is to have more people of color in like the boardrooms of, uh, whatever film company, um, just to sort of be a part of the process and have someone go, hang on, maybe we should, take that bit out like maybe that we don't need that if that makes sense i think that's a a massive problem and it always has been a massive problem is the lack of representation namely behind the scenes you know whenever you whenever you kind of like bring up the arts and and racism and the fact that you obviously predominantly see more white people the argument is always well you've got more black actors now well, that's not that's not really the issue. It's not that What's the, you know you don't see black people at all. It's the fact that the people making decisions, the people writing these things, um, or even making these things, you know, it, the the art suffers because it's a very if you don't have a a wealth of, of people from different ethnicities and backgrounds and experiences, then you're going to get a very kind of convoluted outcome. No matter it, who's doing it. Look at Premier League football. I know you boys aren't into that, but um, you've got a hell of a lot of footballers from you know all all creeds, colours, everything. But then you look at the management of the clubs, the directorship of the clubs, the ownership of the clubs, and it is ninety nine percent predominantly white. Yeah, and the, the same with cricket the same with rugby you know all the major sports they, they might have you know you might see more black footballers cricketers rugby players now you get you get them in the sort of the public eye the front line like you say the actual players the actors the musicians the, the, yeah. but the like interesting you say thing here as well with politics where we're seeing a lot more uh black and asian politicians than in the past but if you look at the people that are sort of 
funding those uh, political parties and that actually have the money, the real power there that are kind of sort of almost employing the politicians because um, they end up funding their parties. The vast majority of them are white and often Americans. I, th- I was thinking like, especially with the being four of us now it's really it's a really difficult subject to talk about with any kind of authority for white well yeah <laughs> guys you know it's like it's, it's, oh any of are you, you muted ever been, am i muted no i'm i was muted <laughs> has, has any of you ever been um openly racist whether you meant it or not i remember telling jokes at junior school um about um you know that that for the visual gag what's this um an ethiopian eating a crisp which is <laughs> back when they were back when they were going through famine and it's like but it was like uh, yeah there was other ones that went round at school and you kind of found yourself laughing at them but you you, you knew you shouldn't like i i basically I ruined a, a friendship in school um we had, in Liverpool anyway, back in the 80s especially, there wasn't a lot of black people, mm. if any. So in our school, we had one black person, and he just happened to be my friend. And we used to dig holes with lollipop, with lolly ice sticks in the tarmac. Um, you know, we just, just me and him were just mates. And I seen my friends, my other friends being racist to him. And I didn't see myself or feel myself that I was racist. But then me and him, this is in the, in this, I think we, we went together through the infants into the juniors and then into the seniors. And one day me and I, him have a row about some shit or whatever it was. And I actually called him the N word. Yeah. So um, I've, I've got, sorry, Craig. Well, it it basically the friendship was never the same ever again, ever. Mm. We never recovered from it. I mean, I, I never remember friends calling the calling like a coloured guy. I mean, I don't even know if coloured is an acceptable description. Generally, not used anymore. It kind of. It was a sort of language used uh, to basically say uh, coloured people aren't allowed here, basically. I hope hope things have changed in school. I mean, it's not like... It's sort of probably not acceptable for a politician to say, but it's understandable if you don't know... Um, but I mean, I, all the all these racist jokes are coming into my mind now, and it's like you just you just think in like, general that sort of um, does that still happen now? Framing of color and no color as being white and everybody you, else is kind of generalizing. You're a the lot um, of people struggles. You're the link here at school nowadays. Right. Did did you experience much in terms of racist jokes going around? And definitely. Um, I mean, it's sort of being in a rural part of Scotland, it's still very white. I think you could probably count the number of black people at my school on your fingers. 
Um, but are, are you just as likely to get anti-English jokes, though? I d- d- didn't really detect much anti-Englishness. Um, okay. I did notice uh, one of my friends in my friend group was um, Lithuanian, and I did notice on a couple of occasions people sort of directing particularly nasty jokes at him. I wouldn't even know how to make a nasty joke about a Lithuanian. Well, it, it's more just sort of general sort of... Foreigner type. Kind of almost sort of stuff like around the Red Scare against sort of Eastern Europeans. What well, nowadays? Got one or something. <laughs> well, uh, like various sort of things that people might say about Russians because Lithuania's nearish. They'd probably... I thought, I thought we'd in. left all that behind in the 80s. But no, and a, two, a, a lot of people still saying the N word. I've got two stories. Um, both happened at junior school. The first, so when I was at junior school, I lived in an area that was predominantly Asian. Um, it was just outside of. It was kind of like the East London Essex border, and um, huge influx of um, people from uh, India and Pakistan around that time. Um, not, not because of immigration, just, just how things were. And, uh, in one, I think it was my last year of primary school, I was the only white person in my class other than the teacher. Everyone else was either Hindu or Sikh or Muslim. And I had a row with a couple of kids one day and they told me to go back to my own country. Now it's kind of a weird racism start because there, you know, officially there is no racism against white people that's kind of like what the guidelines are but i still think it's it it was a weird thing to say and and has stuck with me um but the second one was actually on my first day of school my first proper day of school and i made friends with a kid who um was was wasn't white and i i I can't remember how it was approached but the te- I, I think the teacher had asked me who I'd been playing with that day and I said oh um, that boy over there Jonathan and she said oh the half cast boy and from that moment on I because I, I asked them what that meant because I didn't know I never heard the term before and she said oh um, he, he's got um, a white mum and a black dad that's why he's the skin gallery he is and I said okay fine so that's what it was so for my life I assumed that when you had a child that was mixed race, um, half cast was a, an absolutely okay term to use. Yeah, for, for actually, years that was that was just what you what you called them. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and it and it obviously it obviously isn't. And I only learned that a few years ago because um, my god, or, yeah, my godson is mixed race, and. Um, you know, we were having a conversation. I can't even remember what led to it. We was having a conversation about um, race and, and how people are treated and everything like that. And that term came up. And I was like, kind of like in a gas. I was like, oh, that, that's not that's not right. And they were like, no, that's that's totally not right. And explain to me like what the, where the origins of, of the term half caste meant. Yeah, uh, what are come, they? I was just going to ask, what, what does it actually um, mean? <laughs> it was, it was... I don't want to say Latin, but it was it was something like that. But basically, it was um, an insult into someone who was not equal to others. Right. 
Um, oh, right, I yeah, because be- people are from a particular caste. Is that like a sort of a class or something? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm trying to remember now, but uh, I'm sure a Google search will find it. But um, mm. yeah, so so it was kind of explained to me why it wasn't. And obviously, uh, I felt awful. And my friend said to me, well, don't feel bad. If you didn't know, I'll tell you what, you to... I I had a similar similar situation until I moved, and, and this was as recent as moving up here. So I was in my thirties, and and it was when my wife um, first pulled me up on it because I I called I said something about somebody being a nonce, and you'll get this, Craig. Um, I just thought it was a not, a, not a term of endearment, but I just thought it was just a you know one of those kind of jokey names that you call somebody. I didn't didn't actually know what it meant. Didn't point. you used to watch it on CBBS in the eighties? Nonsense around, or was that just a regional program? I mean, that was just regional, Craig. Yeah, nonsense around, nonsense around. I've never heard of it. Nonsense around, honestly. Nonsense around. There were a lot nice. of TV shows in which they did that, but I'm not sure they were called that. No, none, none, none were as blatant as that. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, getting back to the it's Christmas podcast as well. Oh, Jesus well. Christ! I've been on here for like almost an hour, and I'm not one yeah, mentioned yeah. one of my twelve no. podcasts. Yeah, it's it's just weird life, yeah. a lot of the a lot of the the stuff that's coming out on the because you're going back through rose tinted spectacles, looking at the Christmases of yesteryear. Well, there's there's a lot of racists yeah. coming out and a lot of nonces yeah it's unbelievable how but back, everything back then, was, there, that was normal i heard i heard the name the the term nonce being thrown around and and the reason i didn't didn't realize what it actually meant was because back then as, as i mean it might have been my age and my naivety but they they kind of weren't a thing do you know what i mean they you you didn't really have um I mean, I suppose they were kind of. I don't know if they, if there were such things as child molesters, but well, you did. Of, you had the don't don't get in the don't get in the the, the van, the white yeah, van. Yeah, but I would. Ne- I was never Someone told why. The puppies. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I knew sweets. about like, oh, you might get kidnapped, but I d- they never said anything about what they were going to actually do to you. Well, then they'd have and, to and, teach you about sex and rape, and then understand. <laughs> oh, hang on, there's a lot of really weird sex stuff, but we're actually teaching you here. Oh well, ignore that. You know, we say nonce in Liverpool. I've said to Nick, nonce in Liverpool is a term of a demon. It's not. It's the ultimate put down. So when I cut, you know, for them, it's cunt down there, isn't it? You yeah. call everyone a cunt. Well, up here, it's nonce. If I'm calling you a nonce, it's because you're a fucking gobshite, basically. But that, yeah, I mean, but we actually use cunt in both contexts. It's, also, it's used as a term of endearment as yeah. well as the ultimate insult. So. Yeah. In Glasgow, yeah, yeah. I think you can say, Oh, he's a good cunt, and no, we, no one would bat an eyelid. But surely that that idea of of warning against something, but not giving you the reasons why, is more damaging. Because to me, the idea of getting into a van with a stranger or or whatever was because I was told that they were like an evil character that you know they were they were going to be nasty to you or, or whatever. But a nonce like, wouldn't um, actually come across like that. They would come across as really nice. What's the thing in... Um, and unless you know Chitty what Chitty the ulterior Bang motive Bang. is, you're not going to be guarding against it. You know what I mean? What's the villain in Chitty Chitty Child Bang? catcher. The yeah, child catcher. I think it's sort of portrayed as that rather than... But it was the same kind of attitude towards the whole just say no to drugs message because it was seen as this like really dangerous, evil, nasty thing or, or portrayed as that. 
And then as soon as you have your first joint, you realise that you've been lied to about the whole thing. So you're not going to be listening to any of the rest of the message then, are you? No. Yeah, it's sort of... You need nuance with it. Which tangented a bit. I think, well, bringing it back to racism... I think a lot of sort of terms are just sort of said, oh, you can't say that, you can't say that, but without actually explaining why and the sort of history behind it that means that it's not okay. And then you get people going, oh, well, it's not that much of a big deal if I say the N-word. I'm going to bring up um, uh, one of the documentary things that I watched as part of one of my courses. I had an interview with Nichelle Nichols on it. And she yep. was talking about um, she couldn't believe when she was taken into the NASA control room, um, she couldn't believe the diversity of people that were in there. Like there were there were women of all ages, there were black people, and they were all mixed in working in the NASA control room together. And she she was just flabbergasted because she was like, well, what? Why is this not being portrayed by the media? You know, why why have I gone into this room expecting to see a bunch of middle aged white men? But then, but then, look at the. I mean, going back to the, um, going back to the the uproar like here at the moment now about things, right? It was only I think a Christmas or two Christmases ago that Tesco's ran a campaign, an advertising campaign with a mixed race family, and people collectively lost their shit. Well, what yeah. just happens with that dance troupe? Diversity. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of like. It- You'd expect it, right? It's a dance called diversity. <laughs> Some... They are diverse. Then you know, like there's yeah. there's like people from all different backgrounds in that group. But you got to wonder how much of it is just media whipping up extremist views. It definitely, definitely to be held accountable for, I think. Um, but I, I mean, we're not going to. We're obviously not going to use it because none of us, um, I think, like the word. But the one thing that I, I really have issue with, and I've had conversations with people to try and understand uh, the, the, the whole story with this, is the N-word. So it's obviously extremely taboo. You shouldn't use it in any context. I completely agree with that. What I don't understand, and it does seem to be more of an American thing than a British thing, so maybe there, there's there's more hidden kind of context behind this, but... The use of the N word in in rap music, in um, in in black culture in general, whether that's films, uh, musicals, stage shows, whatever, um, I, I, I've been told it's kind of like to empower, it's to reclaim the word, but it's to me it's a little bit like the swastika. In uh, the swastika was a symbol of peace originally. And then was taken as, you know, the symbol of Nazi Germany mm. and can only really now be associated with Nazi Germany. Anyone that tells you now they, they, they've got a swastika uh, for any other reason is lying to themselves or just not willing to tell you the truth. I think it's still used uh, as some symbol in Hinduism. but No, that's where, that's where it came from. Yeah, That's I think some that, places still use it for that reason, but yeah, but then yeah. but that's that's different because again, that's that's the kind of the the origin the origins of it. What is I'm there not a similar about, kind of story behind the use of the word queer though, and to a certain extent, gay. 
that that was kind of claimed um, because there was a time when that would have only been used as an insult, even though it doesn't seem as harsh as the N word. Um, Depends who you are, I suppose, on how it how it makes you feel. But probably one that I think would be more equivalent for gay people would probably be yeah, Mm. fag or faggot. But they they wouldn't use that for each other, though, would they? I've they? heard some people heard sort it. of proudly proclaiming themselves as fags, but it's sort of like yeah. if someone's using that to like call another gay person like a fag, then and they're not gay themselves, then well, I mean, it, it very quickly changes the meaning. See, going back to what you were talking about, the sort of rap music context there, I uh, I've been sort of deliberately broadening my musical tastes. Um, going through lists on rocklist.net of like top albums and stuff from different publications. And one of them that I got led to was a Dizzy Rascal album. Um, And listening to that, the, the lyrics in that, you kind of, you, you, you've kind of got to approach it from the point of view of what, what angle are they taking? Um, Because there's some highly disrespectful stuff in there if you're taking it at face value. But I think, the explanation for that is that that he's trying to reflect the way um, the people in the environment that he's talking about behave. Do you know what I mean? Like I do, but then that kind of goes back to the Afghani argument, doesn't it? Which yeah. is, it's all right for the person behind it to say, oh, well, this is actually my intention. Yeah. But if you don't know that intention before going into it, you are going to take it at face value. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think. I suppose that's where context comes in, isn't it? Because it's what what, a a prime example of that would be one one of the songs he's talking about. um, There's a group, a group of them out at a club, um, eyeing up some girl, and um, and I think the lyrics something like marks out a ten, I'd give her one. And you think, well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in situations with where I've been out with with friends, and we've not in a non-threatening way said similar things but if you go and put it in a song and give it out to the entire public it takes on a whole new dimension do you know what i mean it's it's very different sort of having a a harmless joke between you and friends yeah sort of that isn't gonna that, that isn't gonna reach ears that are gonna shine be of celebrity it. and actually putting it out up, in public as an acceptable view yeah and if you went up and said that to somebody not designed as like a cheesy chat up line yeah, yeah. because i mean i i i've i've used that as a cheesy chat up line i mean i can't see how successful or not that was <laughs> but um but yeah i i think with that it, it it can vary depending on the intended use of it um and the actions of it as well um so I think I think it can be problematic it's a dangerous line to walk especially if you've been drinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> Craig, Craig is desperate to say something there. I'm, I'm yawning past myself, boys. I am flagging. Drink more booze. No, no, no <laughs> more booze. <laughs> I might need to go to bed in a minute. I'll be honest. Good, the party can start them. Yeah. <laughs> Every everything that you're saying is, but is absolutely valid. But this isn't going to be fixed in one generation. Yeah, this isn't this isn't going. Human memory is one hundred years. The living human memory is one hundred years. 
basically, yeah. and that is how how long your elders live. So human memory used to be forty years. We're now up to like a hundred years, mm. and we're now forgetting the stuff that was led up to World War Two in very much the way we forgot the horrors of World War One and what everything else that went before that. We're now the the last vestiges of the the greatness that was our heroes of World War Two are dying, and we right wing fascism is coming back. It's actually coming back. And when something becomes the normal, the next level up is shock and awe. Yeah, and but that's, that, that's and when... That becomes normal. That's when the people who have been tolerating the unacceptability for a certain amount of time suddenly become scared and en masse, I suppose, start keeping their mouths shut in case of what happens to them. And that's what happened in Nazi Germany. Yeah. I think the other thing, though, as well with this, is it's very much what you learn and what you're taught. Like, I was taught nothing to do, with, really, with, with black history. Very little no. conversation about slavery, for example. Mm. Um, it was mainly uh, Tudors, Egyptians, Romans, yeah, World definitely. War II. That, that was my history throughout school. Now, I'm just looking here. I, I took a picture earlier on of some books that my daughter's got. Um, now, my daughter's seven. She has a series of books called Little People, Big Dreams. And that's what they kind of look like. They're very kiddie, um, fied versions of books. But all of them, there's a whole series, and all of them take somebody that had um, you know, an importance in history or, or cultural significance, and they basically tell that story in a kid-friendly way. Yeah. And she's had she's got books like um, Anne Frank, uh, Florence Nightingale, Mary Shelley, but I, I picked the ones out appropriate for this one. So she's got books on Harriet uh, Truman, uh, Maya Angelou, Martin Luther King Jr., and Rosa Parks. Yeah. Now, some of those people I can tell you stuff about. Others I can tell you extremely little. They were never people on my radar. My daughter at seven because of books, because of what's available to her, has a better understanding of very important black people in our history and also racism, especially like this, you know, with Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. They go into, in a, a nice way, but still a true way, about what happened. Like they, they don't express it, obviously, in the same way that you would read a book about those people, but... You know, Rosa Parks, they, they talk about the famous story, you know, with what happened that day on the bus. Mm. And she sits there and, uh, like, my wife reads them with her and they're, like, you know, crying about it. And she says, like, I can't understand. Are you telling me that, you know, my friends that, you know, I have at school or um, my godson and his brother um, that, you know, they're also friends with. So I couldn't play with them. 40 50 years ago and it's like yeah you wouldn't have been allowed to play with them yeah you know and and you know she's aghast at seven years old she's aghast that this is a thing she can't in her head comprehend that this is it because now she's at school and she's obviously able to you know play with whoever she wants to and at, especially at the age she is now you know, there there doesn't seem to be as much of this going around. People do seem to be more understanding and respectful and tolerant of each other. But for us and, and older, 
you know, we definitely had different experiences. And that will likely change when she goes to secondary school yeah. and she goes or, into, you know, more people. She's and it's amazing that she's reading them books, but she's only reading them books because she's been bought them. No, well, no, she bought them. But you know what I mean? She must have been pushed down a path to buy them. Mm. I, I, when she, like, I, mate, I'm with her. When she goes into a bookshop, it's like, you know, she goes and buys what she buys. We don't, we don't push her towards anything. We pushed her towards that series of books initially. And because she liked one, I can't remember who it was we first bought. Um, it might have been um, Anne Frank, just because it seemed unusual. But she's bought other books in that series, but she book, she buys them based on you know what the cover looks like more than anything else, or if that person seems to be a bit interesting when she reads the bit on the back. But we haven't deliberately gone, you need to like read these books. In the same way, that's like you saying, we make her watch Desmond's and the Cosby Show. No, no, not at all. By the way, (laughs) Cosby Show. Woo. (laughs) Um, No, but initially, initially, you guided it to be a general environment of openness to that sort of thing. Like exactly. like back in the seventies, if if the if your pair if her parents had been watching Love Thy Neighbor and and all the sort of stuff that was out then, it would have been an entirely different. I mean, you probably wouldn't have found those books in the shops for a start, just no. because you know it wasn't wasn't a thing. And 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 that's, I think that's that's the big problem. And the thing is, to an extent, Craig, you're what it's done. Her reading this stuff now, it's, it's wanted her to understand more and to seek more things out. So it has it has led her down a path. But I'd like to say more kind of of self discovery than this is the path you need to go down and, because that's never and, been the intention. Um, my Eve, my, my Eve is 16 and she's very much doing the same thing that your Alice is doing. You know, she's switched on to things she's seeing. She's got the, 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 the different goggles on now, but then she's I, seeing everything in the world that is. But and, then I'm, I'm learning this stuff now. Like, you know, I'm doing a thing on electronic music and it's talking about the black roots and Afro, the Afro culture behind it all and, and how music was the only way that they could um, keep their culture alive because basically on the ships on the way over, on the slave ships, they were basically trying to erase that history. You know, they 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 weren't allowed to write. So the only way they could communicate their cultural values was through song, which is how the blues basically mm. developed into what, yeah. what we know as the kind of black hip hop cultures that we've got now and, and into I mean, every other pretty fucked up world, but. but a lot of the sort of call and response songs of early yeah. blues were basically but you know as soon songs, as I, as soon songs as I to sing that, whilst they were doing slave as soon work. as i read about that i thought fucking hell that's exactly what freddie mercury did at wembley stadium you know it's like and led zeppelin were accused of of and quite rightly of basically stealing a lot of the um sort of blues songs and that 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 were sort of uh i can't remember who i mean i don't know enough about the early kind of black music scene to kind of even talk about it which is kind of revealing in itself as well you know well i've shared a link with you there in our little chat here um the 1619 podcast from the new york times and i urge anyone and everybody to listen to it and it's basically um the the slaves coming across 
from Africa to America and the ancestors now talking about it and going back to the places, you know, where they worked and where they were kept prisoner. And, and it just absolutely, it, it just switches a light bulb on. It literally switches a light bulb on. I it's just amazing. Can't... Sorry. No, I was going to say, it's amazing as well. Like um, my wife was recently watching a documentary on Netflix called the 13th, which I'd heard of, but um, I hadn't got around to watching and she watched it and she, she said, like, I can't explain to you what I've watched because like the, the history and, and what they go into is, is so kind of like long and extensive that I'm going to have to watch it again. But it centers around the ways that America as a society still tries to, um, you know, allow racism to exist. So um, the way that some laws are set up means that black people are you know much higher uh, much more prone to to foul uh, you know fulfill the law because of how things are set up they they're set up in a deliberate way to target groups without explicitly doing so Plus, and, I, I can't imagine what it must be like in America being black not not just because of the way that they're not treated equally but just the fact that cops have guns if you go back to the, I think it's the 69 election, which is mirroring very much this election this year. Back then, it was the suburbs will burn, um, the inner cities will spill out, and it was a way of being racist without using racist words. The yeah, suburbs were primarily Well, we've seen a sort of return of the that. city were black. And if you allow... Look, we need law and order, and we need to keep the inner cities and and the fight and spill out in I mean, the suburbs. I find that so. This is what's going on now? I'm so angry about that though, because it's kind of it's stoking fear in white people when they're not the ones that need to be afraid. Do you know what I mean? Don't... It's exactly the opposite situation. Yeah, but, uh, but it's getting used to win an election it's getting used for a vote it's getting used what's going on in america at the moment now is trump's mate is running the the post office he's put a ban on all overtime so the post office workers there's a massive huge backlog Mm -hmm. of post they've taken out post boxes across the country so people can't vote postal votes they've made it so hard for the minorities to vote that it, it's all geared to keep them down keep them in their place i think it was so, um a person of color on average in the last election uh this might have been the midterms it might have been the 2016 election waited five hours more than a white person exactly yeah, because of how many voting booths they uh, not voting booths, but how many polling not they call, don't call them polling stations, but how many polling stations they had in certain areas. There were yeah. certain parts of the country where there might be one for the entire town, yes, rather than um, having separate ones. And on top of that, as well, there is um, another thing. I'm not I can't remember which law it is, but I was made aware of this by uh, from John Oliver. But um, one of the things that's reading the law is if you're a felon, yeah, yeah. you're not Florida. allowed to vote. Florida. Right? You've got to pay and, your debt. Yeah. And so, you've, so you've done your time. 
You might have saved See, time. You might have gone to prison, but all the legal costs and the I fines. Go, I go further on that issue. I actually think people who are in prison should be allowed to vote as well. well yeah, that, I, I think, I think they can vote over here, can't they? Can't over here? No, I don't think so. I think, can I not? Um, but with that sort of... Uh, oh, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Yeah, um, basically, there have been several cases where, because of the system in america um people have accepted plea deals where they've pleaded guilty for a crime they know they didn't commit that their own legal team knows they didn't commit but there's no possible way that the judge is going to let them go so for a shorter sentence they'll plead guilty later on they can be exonerated but they still have that felony on their record even though they did nothing wrong. Well, essential going back to Central Part Five, that's exactly. And I don't. Did you, have you seen that program? No. I think, I think it's no. called When They Hear Us. And I started to. It was one of those things. I thought I'll watch the first episode and, and see how I go. And I think it was about five episodes or six episodes. And I watched the whole thing in an afternoon, about yeah. six hours worth, because I was so appalled with what I was watching. I, I just had to mm. to carry on and I I'd got into it not knowing what had happened with the case. I never heard the story. I was I was kind of too young when it first happened and obviously we get things reported differently in England. And watching that show and watching what they did to those kids and and it goes back to what you were saying there that quite often they're almost pushed down the route of it's better for you if you say you did it even though we've got no kind of evidence to suggest you have, but you'll get a better sentence or better treatment if you just admit that you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just... Kind of a weird <sighs> way of them going, oh, we know the system is absolutely fucking broken, but we don't actually care. It'll be better for you if you just go along with it anyway. I don't... I don't even think it's that. I think it's purely because, and I mean, we've just we've just seen this over the last few months in America, anyway, with what's gone on over there. Um, that there's just in general, people are so corrupt that if they can fix, you know, if they can set it so a black person or, or a person of color, you know, Hispanic, whatever, if they can pin them to do a crime and get them to admit to it. That's the best result. I've always found the it, bad guys. I've always found it quite uncomfortable um, getting my head around the way um, being a lawyer or a solicitor works, because there's you don't you, you basically you don't really make a judgment as to whether or not you think that they did it or yeah. didn't. It's this kind of you're, you're there I to kind of get them the best deal. Because with his, oh, you know, yeah. you know the system, and you try to get the best outcome for your client, even if they're a mass murderer. Yeah. You know, it's, has, has anyone done jury duty? No, no. I, I was asked to, but I, I managed to wheedle out of it. <laughs> so I I did jury duty a few years ago, and um, it was a uh, a sexual assault case mm. that I did, and it was a very very surreal experience. We was we was in there for about a day and a half hearing evidence and then we were retired to go and make a verdict and um you know very much 12 angry men 
and I was I was the angry man. So as soon as we got in there, everyone was like, "Well, he's guilty, clearly guilty." So you know, we've we've got to we've got to put down that judgment. And I said, "We can't." And they said, "Well, he but he's guilty." I was like, "Well, why? Why is he guilty?" Well, because this was said, this was said, and I said, "Look, I, I'm going to have to refer you back to the thing we were told right at the beginning, and that is you have to have." absolutely no doubt yeah. that this happened and the problem was with all the evidence we saw like you couldn't be sure like some of some of what we were told was so kind of outlandish that you thought yeah. it, it couldn't possibly be true and i said so i don't i'm not saying that nothing happened but we are being told that we have to make a decision based on on all of this and only one decision we can't go well um, we can we can say he did this, but he didn't do that. We had one third to make. So that means that basically you can be ninety nine percent certain he did it, but because it's only ninety nine percent, you can't you can't say guilty. Now now morally that's correct. Now at the end of the day, they the other people that I was in I was, that I was on the jury with, they could have convinced me otherwise. They could have given me like so much. Uh, you know, such a, a hard time to say. Well, we all think that, you know, we disagree. We think there's enough evidence to say that he is that I'd have had to have voted along with them. But in the end, we swapped, and we found him not guilty because when I said it like that, and I said we have to be a hundred percent like he's guilty of all of that stuff that was done. Everyone turned around and said, "Well, I think some of it's true, but I don't believe all of it." Yeah. And so unless then you can all convince yourselves that that's enough to make him guilty of all charges, if if it was done, and I mean, I'm not saying all of these things are done in the same way, but if it was a case of we had to vote on different different variations, like when you get a murder charge, don't you? You, yeah. you sometimes get like uh, n- not guilty on the murder charge, but guilty on manslaughter. We didn't have that option. It's a, I vaguely remember something about a... I think it might have been in Scotland, a court having to sit for... Like, a jury having to sit for months because uh, there was something to do with... Um, they'd said something like, oh, we don't think that they're guilty of the exact thing that you're prosecuting for, but, like, uh, that's not the whole story. There might be something that you could charge them with. So sort of uh, not really moving the case on, not like a blanket statement of, oh, they didn't do this or they did do this, but sort of an inconclusive kind of uh, verdict. Is is there a version of that that you were presented with? No, no, not at all. It was very black and white. That was the problem. And we were told specifically as well that we were under um, absolutely... um, no no way of uh, searching for anyone's names that were involved in the court case right. so if they had found that we had googled either either party's name or anyone involved in the case's name uh we could get into like trouble ourselves with the law yeah. um and so after the case happened after the, the verdict was read out and we were all kind of excused from court a few days later i did look up this person and he had had a criminal conviction for assault he'd beaten somebody up uh, at, at one time maybe two or three years before it was nothing to do with the, the case that we were talking about obviously a completely different crime so that that person clearly had previous uh 
Mm. But again, if we knew he had previous, that would also potentially cloud our verdict on yeah. it. So I, I understand why we were told explicitly not to do that. And to this day, I, I don't feel uh, wrong with, with the, the verdict we gave down that day because we were given well, a very black and white choice. See, I'm g- uh, and uh, that's a perfect choice of words that you've used there at the end because I was just about to link it back to how societies and especially the leaders of societies' attitudes towards black and white people can't be removed from an equation in that way. It's not a question of being able to search for a specific individual. If if you've been brought up in a society which tells you black people are this and white people are that, if you've then got a black person in the dock and you're on the jury, you can't remove that prejudice from from the situation. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, and and it, and it and it happens. Like I, the only the only time I really kind of saw uh, racism in my family was my dad getting angry at drivers that would cut him up, and he would refer to their race as he called them a, a bastard. Yeah. Um, otherwise, and, and the thing which I didn't understand with that was that my dad worked with people that were black that were asian we even went to i remember going to a wedding of one of his co-workers who was muslim it was the first muslim wedding i'd ever been to and it was a fantastic experience if i'm honest um you know he had he was friends with people from all different backgrounds but he didn't see anything wrong with with then using that uh mm. you know in anger yeah so and, and maybe that's because of the the era he was born into and he grew up in. You know, he was uh, born in the fifties, grew up in the sixties. There is that thing with there is a sort of exemption when you know somebody to a certain extent, or or an assumption that you can do that. Because I, I mean, being a musician and and with my mum having worked in a girls' school as well, I spent a lot of time pretty much surrounded by girls as a as a young bloke. And the number of times, all all as friends, or mostly as friends. Um, but the number of times that I've, I've I've been sat in a room where there's been a group of girls that have been basically being quite vocally nasty about men and you know being quite openly sexist, and I've just gone, hang on a minute, I'm 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 male, and they're like, yeah, but you're different. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, the yeah, but not but not you is always the perfect excuse for yeah. I'm not racist, but I didn't mean you because you're obviously all right. I was going to bring. Up, I'm not going to mention names, life. but you know who I'm talking about. We have. Um, an elderly person that we know who we were having a conversation with about a journey on a bus that um, your sister had. She, she'd had difficulties with a bus driver, basically. And uh, um, good, na- good night, Craig. Good night, good night, guys. Good night, Craig. Bye. Go, go, go on, Bye, be- you before, you, before you're too tired to have a wank, go on. Monty, uh, bye-bye. <laughs> over me nan fuck off your anchor <laughs> uh, keep going right you're gonna I want you to um, beat the record of Ben no <laughs> no 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 I want yes. to do that die, I want a three hour podcast can we not just beat Ben <laughs> sorry <No. laughs> beat Ben but, your semi sorry, sorry Craig you're, sorry Craig you're breaking up can't hear you <laughs> thank you for joining us oh he's gone um, I'm glad what he was did. I going to say Yes, and and they just could not see what we were talking about when we pulled them up on because they'd said, um, she she'd said that she was having trouble with the bus driver and and they'd been really nasty to her and that and 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 this 
elderly person that we know had had said, "Were they foreign?" I bet I bet they were they were Polish or something, and and we were like we were just trying we we, we just our gobs were wide open, weren't they? We were I like it, you you can't see how 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 that's unacceptable, can you? And they're like, no, no, I'm not racist or anything. I, I think just, it's yeah. especially like, with what? that particular person. I think they have a, a very different information stream to what we're probably used to. Like a lot of their stuff will come from like the six o'clock news or whatever that's usually like tragedies and stuff like that or but, from yeah, I, documentaries into, and stuff i've got into some trouble recently because i've been so obviously because of uh, mainly because of george floyd let's be honest but we've had the black lives matter movement really kind of come to the forefront we've had protests we've had rallies um we have seen a little bit of of looting um we've also In your seen area. Yeah, especially in my area. Um, we've also seen evidence of how that looting has started, and it's not always what you think it is as well, which is interesting. Um, but what it's also led to is a lot of, with uh, Black Lives Matter, is, well, all lives matter, don't they? Yeah. And I've had some elderly uh, people in my family, my extended family, who seem to just share any old kind of nonsense about all lives matter. And I got told off because I kept pointing out to this particular person about what it actually represents and what it actually means and why this article you're sharing is actually part of the problem. Um, and I got kind of pulled to task about it because it was like, well, she's got, you know, no one, no one uh, really follows her and no one's really paying attention to her. And I said to my wife, yeah, but just because that isn't, I said, everyone is doing that. And the more people that are not, you know pulled up to say mm. actually yeah. what you're doing here is wrong that that's how that's how change happens right it's like the difficulty thought, is how do how do you how do you not necessarily confront somebody but how do you inform someone that their attitude is like that? i mean i in this particular instance i tried to point out that that's exactly the same attitude that would have seen um an older person um being nasty to niana your sister, um, because she was a teenager and for no other yeah. reason than that. Um, but she just, people, how do you illuminate pe- people's prejudice without insulting them so that they're not kind of their guards up and they don't want to hear it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I, I, I think, to be honest, most of the time, uh, there, there isn't a right answer because they're either willing to listen to you or they're not. Mm-hmm. They've either made their mind up or they haven't. Um, you know, but but to me, it's just it's just the snowball kind of effect. Like I decided three years ago, whatever it was now, to not eat meat, and I made that decision because not because I didn't like meat, I I fucking love meat, um, but because I kept watching documentaries about um, and reading articles about the planet and and the impact that. Um, feeling guilty now because I've I've gone I've gone completely back the other way. I did it for about six months, and then and then I just then Christmas happened, and and. <laughs> but but the, the thing is, like I I couldn't be a hypocrite anymore. I couldn't say, "Oh, isn't this bad about what's happening to the world?" Without trying to do something. Now the yeah. thing is, I know me personally, me making dietary decisions like that hasn't saved the planet, mm. and nor you know will another person doing it. Now, since I decided to do it, my wife joined me on that journey, and now my daughter's joined us on that journey. I didn't ask my wife to do it. 
and we didn't ask my daughter to do it. I take they it, both did it for the same reasons. I mean, you like, probably know more fun. about this than me then, because, I mean, you're pescatarian, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming, do you know the sort of facts behind the fish farming industries and how much of an effect they have on... I've got to make a start somewhere, okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just eventually, asking genuinely. I'm eventually, not, not... eventually I'll, probably, I'll probably become vegan. Fish so, farming doesn't seem to be as much of a problem as, as actual just regular fishing yeah. because of the way that it's actually done. Fish farming has its own issues in, in terms of like disease and uh, the actual quality of, of fish that you then consume, which yeah. can then lead to other things. I get that, but fishing you, itself just is awful being interested are you picky about your fish i mean do, do you do you have like um just fish and chips from the chip shop yeah or yeah so yeah. it's not like oh i'll only have like salmon or bass no or... But, <laughs> if this did get me why because i i don't really like cod and haddock but i i, I like a bit of lemon sole i'm not bothered with salmon yeah fair enough no i mean i so he will I, literally I sit and eat smoked salmon raw off a plate amazing <laughs> i i mean i i eat fish uh, maybe a couple of times a week tops that's about it um so I, i'm not particularly fussy because of the amount i actually eat and i should be i mean eventually one day i would like to think i kind of go full off the board crazy like vegan but i will never admit to being vegan thing is so my my diet now is probably about 85 percent vegan anyway what is it they call it flexitarian I think I was kind yes. of yes, yeah. I think that's I was kind of more that that kind way. of where you 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 have a few days vegan or vegetarian. You just so you you're might just be basically like doing days. your best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think it's more um, for people that are doing that for like uh, environmental reasons or for health reasons, where sort of just cutting down on it is a start. Really, I, I mean, to be honest, I completely recommend anyway anyone cutting down on on meat anyway well i was just going to say that's my big problem is that it's I'm, I'm a bit of an all or nothing kind of person so if i'm eating meat i'll tend to have like bacon and sausages and burgers and and if we go out to eat it'll be a steak or a you know see the the, the thing is though is that i mean I, I obviously picked the right time to do it because all of a sudden within like a few months of me starting supermarket starts expanding their vegetarian and vegan yeah, options big range, and now yeah, yeah. you can get you know i i um beyond burgers and uh, richmond of started I cannot tell the difference with sausages right so and that's what i mean there's so many good alternatives now for a lot of things not everything but for a lot of things yeah. that it's actually very easy for me i mean i don't i kind of remember what like bacon tastes like i remember the smell of it i kind of remember what it is but I don't miss it. I really thought I would. I thought bacon would be the one thing that I did. That and, and funny like, thing is, meat. I didn't miss it for the six months I was vegan. But now that I'm eating it again, I feel like I miss. I would miss it. Do you know what I mean? It's, when I'm when I'm not eating it, I don't miss it. But if I am eating it, I feel like I would. I remember going to about six months into cutting out meat. My friend who is uh, and has been for a few years like full vegan. Um, he took me, we went out to London and he took me to a vegan chicken shop, which I'd heard about, but I'd never been to. And it, it is essentially like KFC for vegans. And I sat there eating this stuff 
And I was like, oh my God, this is just how I remember KFC being because I hadn't eaten it in six months. Yeah. Yeah. And I took my I took my wife there um, a few months later who was still eating meat at the time. And I was like, hey, isn't it incredible? And she's like, no, it's, she said it's it's nice. She said, but it doesn't taste like chicken. But now, yeah. now she's been on that journey for about a year. Now her experience of that has, yeah. has changed. So now it is more realistic to her because you start to forget what, it was like the texture was pretty much there, yeah. but you could see from the look, it wasn't quite, quite right. Um, anyway, the, the point I was trying to make is, is snowballing. Like, you know, you can turn around and say me not saying anything or me not trying to change someone's opinion isn't going to have an impact. But if everyone has that attitude, then nothing's ever going to change. Yeah. So in the same way that I feel that way about cutting meat out of your diet or, or whatever, it's the same when you try to approach somebody about, this is why black lives matter. And that's why it's not all lives matter. And the simple thing anyway, is that black lives matter as a statement doesn't mean only black lives matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it, like yeah. the people who seem to be most against yeah. it automatically say, maybe well, that's what it means. Well, maybe there's an underlying fear that stems from the recognition deep down that they know that black people have been mistreated in the past and they they're f- afraid of being f- left in the same position themselves. If well, I don't even think it's that. I think really it's weird it's- sort of uh, conspiratorial type things about like the Great Replacement or something like that. We're t- talking about like what do you mean conspiracy? <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> um, no, you're 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 right. I think I think some of it is. I think. I think a lot of the attitude, especially with the the more older generation, and I'm not talking you, Mister Real. Are you? I'm ages? talking proper proper old. Um, is that for their lifetime or for most of their lifetime, there has been a big distinction between white people and black people, yeah, and and Asian people, especially in in, in England. Like, you know, if, if you went to a stereotypical geriatric and said what what do asian people do for work well they work in hospitals or corner shops (laughs) that's that's it right um and and what about black people they don't work they just steal stuff do you know what i mean like that would that would probably be the mentality of Mm. of, of certain people so i think for a, a big a big part of this is because they don't recognize that there's an issue i was listening to um lbc tonight and they had a uh, a call in for an hour about um black history month mm. and um they had some some guests come in and they had they then took calls from the public and everything was going well until the last caller and the last caller was a 75 year old man in, in uh, like warwickshire or something like that and you know he was saying well you know because we're calling it black history month that's the problem we're making it different we're making it something else which is just continuing racism because it's separating things and she's saying no she said the whole point is to try and educate and actually teach things that we didn't know yeah and he's our argument and then he started going on about lewis hamilton well lewis hamilton you know he's had worked really hard for him and as a formula one fan we didn't see him as black we saw him as british and she's like yeah but black is his identity so because you're taking that away from him you're taking away his identity He's not doing that. He's gone through a 
different things because of that. But isn't that funny how that they, they're not recognizing? Isn't that strange how how there seems to be this ability to disconnect with famous people and stars? I mean, I remember Freddie Mercury being a great example of that. That so many extremely straight men just idolized the guy. And yeah, there was, there was about, no, there was, there was almost like, no recognition of the fact that his of his sexuality at all. It was just kind of well, I mean, the media obviously there was, but as a teenager growing up at that time, I didn't see him as a gay icon or anything. Mm. It was just like, do you know what I mean? Is there's so many, so many men that would not admit to, um, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll age myself at that. I was. I was five. No, that's a lie. Sorry. I was eight when he died. I was eight when he died. So to me... I think it was about 21, 22, something like that. So Freddie Mercury was a singer. and I knew who Queen were. I had no idea that he was gay. I didn't know really at that age what gay meant either. Um, So I I, I didn't know about anything being mentioned in the press or anything like that. I just knew him as this singer. Um, so weird. I, lo- I love hearing things from different people's perspectives because, I mean, like I, when I grew up, you know, he was the biggest rock star on the planet, pretty much. I mean, you might have had a slightly That's, different perspective because you did. You were, I think, a lot more into Queen than probably. Yeah, most I suppose I was then, a major but, fan yeah. so, <laughs> at the time. But, but uh, yeah, it's when the first, the first person I knew to be gay really and then kind of understand what that meant was when George Michael got caught out oh, that right. whole scandal of him being caught out in um, the, the toilets in LA which was a, would have been about 96, 97 I think something like that that was the first time I really kind of someone someone was came out as gay and I then really understood what that meant yeah. and then saw the kind of fallout from that um, getting back to the sorry, getting back to the black thing because it's been it keeps coming back to my mind. I was trying to remember the name of that film that was out last year um, with the two black people, a uh, man and a woman. It was Queen something or other. Oh, uh, Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Yeah, that that was that's well worth a watch. That one. Uh, although, actually, I, I have to be careful when discussing films with with you, Nick, because you and I disagree on a lot of a lot of uh, <laughs> movie quality things. But uh, but you, no, I, you enjoyed that one, did you? I like I like Queen and Slim. The only the only problem I had with it really was the fact that it uh, you know it, it felt very familiar at times. Yeah, because it had that very kind of like Thelma and Louise. Thing kind of you kind of knew on. what was going to happen at the end, and you just didn't want it to, but you knew it was going to. Yeah. I mean, I think I I followed uh, Daniel Kaluuya's career. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, I first saw in um, Harry Harry and Paul when Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse made a comeback. oh yeah yeah, and he played a character called Parking Patawayo, which was a Nigerian traffic warden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> This is a thing. It's on YouTube. Um, it's it's they're quite well done sketches actually. But um, so to see him go from that to like Hollywood stardom, you know, Get Out, um, that amazing episode of Black Mirror, and now onto mm. 
uh, you know, Black Panther he appeared in and stuff. Um, I think he's an absolutely amazing actor. Really, uh, very, very talented. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that was my like. I thought it was well done, but I thought it was a, a well trodden story, just told in a in a slightly more what, modern way. What do you think of the um, the? Re- I know it's a bit old now, but the reaction of Spike Lee at the Oscars was it the year before last around. Mm. Um, the the whole Black Klansman um, thing because it was what was it that won that year? It was Green Book that won. Yeah, but yeah. there are a lot of oh, issues yeah. with that, especially relating to because it was about. See, I really person. enjoyed Green Book. It's but, it's the white it's the white savior. Yeah, it's yeah. the blind side. It's yeah, the I real story was... of Green Book is quite different to mm. the movie. I, I kind of I kind of get that objection to the white savior issue, but I, I and I may I may not be seeing it from a black person's point of view. Um, but the whole idea of seeing the journey of the the white person in that film was almost I, I, is that not an example of somebody being able to change their attitude? But it's sort of an example of a film that feels like it's very much meant to portray racism in a way that is aimed at white audiences. Right. Yeah. That's aimed I, to be that, yeah. there to sort of help understand the world, but from a white perspective. But but isn't that... Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I totally agree that Black Klansman was a brilliant film and, and the ending just hit me. But the is is it not probably more crucial that the white viewers get the message because black people already know there's a problem no and i'll tell you why because had this been a new thing had this idea of these films the white savior been a new thing then i would say yes i think your your argument holds water but the simple fact that over the last 50 years we've seen example after example after example of this exact same narrative mm. the story's always different the outcome's always the same that made me the, think the of white cry, person cry freedom have you right. seen that yeah uh, same thing in not it? not since like the 90s no, that. no i can't even can barely remember that but i mean that year i mean i i i never got around to seeing green book because i felt it was it was too tarnished for me to go and watch. I would go in there with um, my own kind of prejudice before watching it. And I, I think, think that was the other fair. thing that that kind of it, it related to me was because he, he was a black pianist, so it was kind of and he had the classical training. So I kind of related to it in that way. But I mean, there was a particular scene that a lot of people objected to, which was um, of sort of I think it was sort of making a point of that. Uh, the white taxi driver, because he was more working class, was more black than the singer, or yes. the pianist. Um, yeah. When in fact, like, that pianist was a big part of his culture at that time. Like, it, I think it was in particular, like, the eating of fried chicken or something, and it was just kind of weird and off kilter with the reality of that story. Well, the other thing as well, so, I mean, this is a different film, and again, actually, a film I, I, I didn't get a chance to see. I've, I had it recorded, and then I started to read this stuff about it, and then it put me off, which was Hidden Figures, which ties in nicely with what you were saying about... Um, 
Is that the one about NASA? NASA? Yeah, yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. So, so this is a story about, and I've seen, I, I saw the trailer for it and everything, and I know some people that, that really enjoyed it, but this was a story about um, a group of black women that worked at NASA during a time of segregation. So, like, they couldn't even use the same water fountains. They had their own water fountain to use, their own toilet to use, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and the fact that eventually, like, they were allowed to kind of come together uh, in order to, and they they basically end up, you know, saving the day essentially. But the problem is, is that like Kevin Costner got a lot of plaudits for his role in the film. Yeah. Apparently he's very good in it. He didn't exist in real life. Right. This was a character created for the film. Yeah. So this white saviour in the film, because he is the white saviour in the film, wasn't even based on a real person. Mm. So that's when it gets really think- problematic. Because again, it, it, you're, you're then kind of going, yeah, you, actually, you know, we, we're not we've not been good towards black people. We should be better. And, and this is a reason why, and this is a good example of it. So, but then where, where does real. it become? Cause I mean, obviously that, that revisionist history kind of idea is something that Quentin Tarantino takes all the way. Um, where, where do you draw the line between what's okay to kind of, uh, where, where, where is it kind of, where do you have to make it obvious? You know, I mean, obviously when you, when you watch something like Inglorious Bastards, it's obvious that it's revisionist, but, a lot of the a lot of these other films come like based on true events, and it's so like I, that can mean that can mean anything. Yeah, and that's that's almost a get out of jail free card when you do that because what that means is is that five percent of this film could have actually happened, or or one of the people could be real in this film. Yeah, but everything around it doesn't, and it annoys me because quite often what I do when watching a film where you do see that, you know, based on true events or based on a true story is I then have to go after I watch the film and say, right, how much of this was true yeah. and how much of this was absolute bullshit. Funny you said about Tarantino because I went to see once upon a time in Hollywood. I haven't like, seen that yet. Me and my wife are big fans of Tarantino. So a new Tarantino film coming out, that was a date night, a very rare date night for us. You know, the mother-in-law came around. We went out to go and see it. It's almost three hours long. It's a long old film. I went in expecting to see... I knew it was about Manson mm. and, and Sharon Tate. And I thought I was watching a film about that. And when you see it, it's actually not that at all. Right. And so when I kind of left there, I was really, like, pissed off with it, really. Because I was like, well, this isn't this isn't what I expected at all. But actually then understanding what the true like meaning of the film was and what the film was trying to do. It's like, okay, I, I kind of get it now. It's very much like the glorious bastards way of tweaking things for, mm. for, for that. But you need to have that distinction. Is this real? Is this not? And I'm sorry, but sticking, this is based on true events or this is a real story. No, tell me, like, how accurate is this film? Yeah. Is it 85% bullshit? It's 85% bullshit. Fine. That's fine. But then at least I know going in that this is made up bullshit. Watching a film and thinking this is real. Like, Black Klansman is a good example. Mm. Most of that story is actually accurate. If you go and read up on it, there are obviously a few things that have been changed for dramatic effects. But the but it's clear that's the thing. It's sort of trying to insert or even in some cases removing certain characters for certain narrative effect that is sort of real life not like that see what hit me most about that though was that it was clear 
when the footage became real, you know, suddenly you were like, oh shit. And it was the sort of stuff that they, they cut, you know, they wouldn't have shown on the news because it was just too brutal. That, you know? that part at the end, we watched that. I, you know, I'd seen a, a bit of a trailer for it. So knew kind of roughly what it was about and everything, but the way that that film ends and the footage that they show and the fact it kind of goes from the seventies when the film is set, yeah. the footage kind of goes all the way through to like literally that year. See, and, and until like, we were, until we were that, sobbing, yeah, until that happened, I actually saw the rest of the film as fairly frivolous, and then it was like for me, it was one of those films where that last couple of minutes just made the entire film for me. You know, I, I would agree. It was probably a good seven out of ten film. Which then got elevated to probably about a nine. Yeah, reminds <laughs> just me just by the last three minutes. That sort of moment reminds me a lot of ways of sort of the eerie feeling towards the end of Jesus Christ Superstar, like during the actual crucifixion. I think in the version that you played in, they, they flashed up a bunch of images, um, some of which yeah. included like images of like Trump's presidency of how this, this that a, sort of evangelism has led to uh, very horrible things. An amateur production locally, and it was done really well by one of the better companies. But the guy who MD'd it, uh, basically, and and he directed it as well. He he'd loved Jesus Christ Superstar since he was a kid, and knew exactly what his vision for it was. And they basically had four plasma screens, giant plasma screens around. The, it was a very bare stage, just sort of scaffolding. And, you know, the Romans were all like kind of um, Stormtrooper kind of-esque kind of um, kind of characters. Yeah, reimagined. Quite futuristic. That story into but then, the but then, punk yeah, modern setting. As he's dying on the cross, you basically get um, accelerating images of the atrocities that are happening or have have happened basically over the over the last sort of few centuries but specifically the last century as well and basically it it just hit you as like you know this is the world that has been created by this kind of mythical icon figure um being touted as the savior of mankind and this is how it's ended up basically you know it was just like just seeing just seeing like riots going on and riot police and and molotov cocktails being thrown and all the kind of stuff and the footage that we were talking about you know if you haven't seen black Klansman yet then tough shit you should have done <laughs> but you know it's uh, probably still on netflix so definitely go and watch it um yeah, yeah it's 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 a cracking film um uh, t- Something that I want to talk Ooh, about, sorry. I haven't really found a particularly good point to segue into it, but I guess with sort of the... Um, well, not all of you can be me, so... Thinking <laughs> of the segues over here. The thing about uh, Kevin Costner's character being added into... Uh, Human figures? Yeah, hidden, I haven't hidden seen figures. it. Um, hidden figures, yeah. Uh, I've watched a documentary as part of Freshers Week. They had like a big movie day where they watched a bunch of stuff um, called Disclosure. It's on the surface. It doesn't really seem like it would relate that much to this subject. It's about um, sort of how trans lives have been represented in Hollywood. Um, But there was a particular story, I think of, uh, a trans man that was actually murdered um, 
and their friend who was in the next room hearing their them basically being killed was completely cut out of the film depicting that and they uh, were a black person oh right okay i was gonna say cause it sound that sounded until you said that final line uh like a film called girls don't cry i think it is possibly that that was that was like late 90s i think it was about hillary swank who was a, it was based on a true story uh a, a murder of a, a transsex transsexual teenager and it was probably the first time that i'd seen um a story about that and really started to understand um transgender like what a transgender person was um it's a good film if you haven't seen it but I, i'm not sure if it's exactly that but it's sound, like it sounds very similar and and um yeah, it was another one of those films that sound that when you look into it, there's there's more missing from it um, than than you were led to believe. But, um, but a lot of what that documentary talked about was sort of the origins of the sort of uh, portrayal of uh, like cross dressing in Hollywood, and a lot of that comes a disturbing amount of that comes from uh, Birth of a Nation actually, um, sort of depicting. Uh, it sort of uh, described it as neutralizing the threat of like a black man um to like white audiences um and making it a joke by like dressing in drag that sort of thing where they're sort of they, they were sort of turned into a joke by sort of being dressed as women in the sort of early days of uh, cinema in relation to that. Hmm. I mean, I've never seen Birth of a Nation. I know it's... Um, is it... Is, is, um, is Spike Lee one of the... I know there's someone that likes to show it. You know, it's, it's a film that's kind of banned from the public, but he will do private showings of it. I'm sure it's Spike Lee. It might be somebody Possibly. else. But um, I know that it still gets shown around. Um, what so I s- don't know that much about it, really. Simpsons popped into my head then, because um, of that recent... They, they've said that they're no longer going to use white uh, white voiceover actors to portray black characters, haven't they? It's, no. it's happened across the board. Um, yeah. They did it with um, a new show called Central Park. They did it... Um, Family Guy just announced that um, Cleveland is now going to be voiced by a black actor. He was yeah. always voiced it, by a white actor before. It just but seemed, Simpsons is probably the most famous one for it. It just yeah. seems strange that, I mean, why why would you have had a white actor doing it anyway? Yeah. yeah. I, I think with The Simpsons, and this isn't to give them an out, but when The Simpsons first started, they had the core cast didn't they the cast they yeah, have now yeah. so you had the five actors i think it yeah, was i mean having said uh, that because like i mean you've I got it might have been hank azaria doing like but bart's obviously 30 main characters uh, harry shearer the same yeah it, it was one of them um yeah yeah and so i i i, I think the reason for that was because of who they had at the time. The fact that they didn't have this big cast because it was a low-budget thing and, and everything like that. That being said, 
what they've done after that time. So um, Apu's wife, for example, mm. which I can't remember her name, uh, but she was portrayed by a white actress. Now that white actress wasn't part of The Simpsons. She was brought in to do that voice. Yeah. But, at a, but then you've kind of made a rod for your own back at that point because bearing in mind that Apu and, you know, his family are kind of that American stereotype of Indian people in America. Mm. Would anyone want to then portray that, that he's actually Indian? Yeah. I didn't see, yeah. I didn't see the documentary. I know someone made a documentary about, about the issues around it. And with the main point kind of being that because of Apu and because of how popular Simpsons was him growing up, all the jokes to him or all the references to him from friends and peers was about a poo because that's how yeah. it was seen. And it's mm. it's surprisingly influential. I think like a good portion of my pop culture knowledge just comes from watching The Simpsons. Pardon me. Um, but yeah, I think I actually um, heard them on the person that made that uh, documentary on Off Menu podcast. If you've heard of that, yeah. Um, I don't listen to it because it's far more successful than anything I've ever done. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think yeah they talked a little bit about um, that, but they didn't because it's a food podcast. It's not really the subject of it mainly. No, I have I have actually listened to Off Menu before. I think it's a very funny show, but I don't I don't listen to it regularly. But it's I do have a lot of podcasts <laughs> where I will look at who is on. And then if it's someone that I know I think will be interesting, I'll go and listen to that particular episode. I do that quite a lot. Um, so I'll go and check that out, actually, because that I think that'd be quite interesting. I had to um, laugh, because um, I've actually got to do a podcast as part of my course. <laughs> yeah. Done. Which is my sure. homework. Well, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's discussing some project that we'll have done at that point. But uh, anyway, um, should we be thinking about winding up soon, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's Your just hours? past midnight. It's, it's close to midnight. I'm sure there's a song in that somewhere, but I don't know. See, that was a weird one, wasn't it? I mean, he kind of started off black. And then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Michael Jackson was a little bit like the Andy Murray of the pop world. When he was successful, he was white. Right. When he was, having, when he was Wacko Jacko, he was black, wasn't he? Right. So it's a British-Scottish kind of, thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I think that was kind of the case with that. Um, you know, he was very much a white person, again, when uh, the sex charges came out against him. The black I, community kind of like deleted him. I, ju- I just realised, usually I check that Logic's still actually running. Yeah, it is running. It, it used to give up the ghost after a while, but it's still running. I think it yeah. normally does that when we're doing game recordings. But it it might be okay now because I've updated the... Um, I feel like this is winding to a conclusion. We've tangented and gone all over the place. And well, I kind of wanted to talk about with that disclosure documentary something that I found quite striking was sorry, basically the intersection between several groups of people that are pretty hard done by, where you sort of um, at the sort of uh, I guess zenith of that, you kind of got a. Uh, culture of black trans women in New York I think uh, that's like a triple whammy like, that, uh, 
drag balls and stuff that like yeah. most of the world d- didn't really know about but it was surprisingly influential on a lot of pop culture like going into the 80s like the whole vogue thing came from that scene madonna how kind the of hell stole how that. the hell do you comfortably be yourself in any in any well not relaxed but how do you enjoy comfortably being yourself as a black trans woman that must be a fucking nightmare. So it's just sort of celebrating community and um Yeah, but it's it's what community you're you've got left because I think yeah. the point you were kind of referencing there is that and what you do tend to find is that they're often like ostracized. They're kind of mm. outcast from the family by by you know, revealing that kind of stuff. You well, you hear it a lot. I think a lot of people came to that sort of scene um as young teenagers sort of not finding a place in their home life for their identity um oh you've disappeared i'm still here okay um but actually like uh, the sort of film that i'm referencing here that is part of this documentary is um paris is burning uh, spoiler alert, at the end of that, one of the sort of main interviewees is revealed to have been murdered during, um, I think they were a sex worker and they were strangled to death after someone found out they were trans. So it's quite horrific. I thought, you, I thought a spoiler was going to be that at the end Paris is burning. So that was a bit more depressing than I was expecting. No, I think the name's based on uh, one of the events that they had, um, just called Paris is Burning. They had like different categories. I've heard of Paris is Burning, but I've never seen it. Um, yeah. Before we do sort of meander towards a conclusion, I wanted to bring up because I, I'm I'm very optimistically I've begun back at the beginning of the Disney catalog. Of all the films on the D twenty three website, there's a list of all seven hundred and odd Disney films, and I thought, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to start at the beginning and just see how far I get. As, uh, so far, I'm I'm up to I think I watched about four. Bambi's next. You got to the <laughs> Nazi propaganda <laughs> ones, yeah? No, I'm got to say, yeah, that's not far on though. Victory they're through not, air they're power. Not, they're not really there. I don't think. No, no, then um, they've been deleted not on there, from but the I'll be able to I'll be able to find I've already checked on the torrents and I can find um I was going to bring up Song of the South. Uh, I I don't think I've actually seen it, but I do remember having a Disney Songs album that had like Zippity Doodah on it and stuff like that. Um Such have you seen thing. it? So I saw it as a kid because it used to get shown on telly a lot. Which explains the eighties, I suppose, in a nutshell. And because I'm, um, I'm what I'm interested in, I mean, I'll I'll watch it from a purely not because I I I want to. Just, I'm kind of interested. I want. To, I'm a completist anyway, in that you know I'll I'll want to watch everything. But I'm just curious to know whether or not it is justified in the press that it's had. My my understanding of so. Although I've seen it, or I've certainly seen large portions of it, um, I don't have uh, particular particular memories of it as such. Like I can remember bits and pieces, mainly the song numbers, but I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you the, the whole film or anything. My understanding of the uh, the issues with the film 
twofold. The first is the fact that, you know, it, it kind of glorifies slavery as not being such a bad thing. And there was positives that came out of it, which, um, I mean, Jesus, I was reading a thing the other week about how the tipping culture in America is an extension of what happened when slavery was abolished in a right. way of being able to <laughs> underpay slaves. So, you know, once they were freed and they went to find work, they would pay them less money and they would be expected to make their money up using tips. Mm. Uh, there's a whole thing there, a subculture which has continued on to this very day and is very backwards and dated and frankly ridiculous, but that's yeah. something else. Um, <laughs> but also as well that the, so song, song of the South is based on a book with short stories in it, which were told uh, by slaves. So kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about them kind of singing on ships and stuff like that, they weren't allowed to write things down. So they would tell stories to each other, um, you know, about the homeland or about, you know, uh, certain things in history. And from my understanding of it, these stories were basically taken uh, by a white author published as this book as yeah. their own kind of work. Yeah, and which so, sounds very similar to what Led Zeppelin did with a lot of the blues kind of um, old blues songs and that. Yeah, I think I think the Stones were involved in that as well. Yeah, I think there was a bit of backlash against the Stones as well for the same same reason. Um, but yeah, so I think I think it's it's those two things really that it kind of like puts a positive light on on slavery, which you shouldn't really do anyway. Um, and also the fact that the the, the the source of the original book is is very dubious. Am I well. imagining it, or has there been criticism of? Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of sort of historical films and that that, that there are criticisms of. But the um, pink elephant. Not when I see an elephant fly in Dumbo, is that criticized? The crows. Yeah, it was particularly because one of them is literally called Jim Crow, which is like a direct reference to Jim Crow laws, which were. Very explicitly racist. See, as somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about, it, it didn't... For me, when I watched it a few weeks back, it didn't come across... I, I was aware that there is some controversy over it, um, but it didn't come across as particularly racist. To me, I, I felt as though it was celebrating their music in a way, but then I don't know anything Jim about the Jim Crow, Crow thing. was a character sort of portraying... Uh, black people in a sort of jokey way like those minstrel shows it was yep, usually like played by a white person which is why these laws got nicknamed mm. Jim Crow laws and I think as well it was it was also seen as um, kind of going back to the, the Apu thing of this very stereotypical view of how black people would talk right. or would sing yeah. whether, whether you go back in time and say that at that time that was accurate of, of performers of that time i i don't know i couldn't answer that question um but it's I definitely don't know. been seen as a negative i mean i don't know who performed those songs but i kind of i assume from the style of it that they are black singers that are doing it but i might be wrong about that i don't know no it's, it's it'd be worth actually looking into because uh, yeah. i i don't know the answer either but i know that that's where the controversy with dumbo in particular, that that's the main crux of of the the issues with that film. Uh, yeah, I mean, funnily enough, the thought of white people singing that song in that style would be more offensive to me. If you know, I I assumed that it was. Um, we're just looking it up now. I don't think. I I think in general, like 
with 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 Song of the South, obviously there's been a lot of controversy now because they're replacing Spl- Splash Mountain with the Princess and the Frog, and so yeah. everyone's kind of up in arms now. I've got no affiliation with that ride. I, I was never a fan of Splash Mountain. I always thought it was weird knowing the the way that at the time that ride was being made and had opened, yeah. the Song of the South had pretty much been blacklisted by Disney anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the whole thing was very, very dubious. But for me, I what, what and I think you probably noticed on Disney Plus as well, they've started putting little disclaimers up at the yes. start of films. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah. About cultural um, insensitivity or, or yeah. whatever. Um, so for me, I don't actually think I think Song of the South has become more notorious and has been more seeked out by people because of the controversy surrounding it. I was going to say it'd be a lot easier to get hold of now on torrents than it used yeah, to be. I think, <laughs> I think, I think personally, Disney should just release the damn thing yeah. and just have it have Leonard, um, Leonard Maltin pop up at the start and say, this film was made then these are the issues with it. Um, watch at your peril kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Don't stop hiding through it because what you do sometimes when you hide stuff away is it makes it more notorious. Um, this more is like from a, a sort of a, I think it's a sort of opinion slash blog site, but it has got, um, Oh, it was a it. white man. Yeah. The main, so the Jim Crow, the leader of the crows, um, is voiced by a white man talking jive. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> seen that a fair amount and it's, essentially sort of animated minstrel show kind of thing yeah i must admit if i when i was watching it if i'd known it was a white guy doing that voice i would have felt a little bit less comfortable about it also as well i think the problem is i mean obviously that is number one but the fact that you've got a character called jim crow he is a black crow yeah he could have been any bird didn't need to be a crow yeah it seems to have been a very kind of deliberate act to to you know all of those Putting all those pieces into place. Yes, yeah. and as a kid, a obviously that was one of the films that, um, one of the Disney films that I would have seen quite often, um, or most often, um, and things like the Kiora adverts and you know all of that, just all that subliminal stuff being fed into your subconscious. Can I tell you something about the Kiora adverts? Yeah. What was the What was the tagline for Kiora? Um, it's too orangey for crows or something. It was. Why Why was that the tagline? I don't know. Um, because Kiora had so much orange juice in it compared to other kind of brands of orange squash. Like the citric concept was so high that it actually would kill a crow. They've got a very low intolerance to citric acid. All right. And so if a crow was to drink Kiora, it would die or at least get very, very sick. Okay. So actually, it, you know, the tagline was was true. It was too orangey for crows. But there was that. I mean, there was that sort of stereotypical the the one with the really long legs and the basketball. Like he was obviously a a black basketball player. You know. Uh... Oh yeah, I'm not talking about why those adverts are wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, why they were culturally insensitive. I'm just talking about why the tagline was so good. Um, yeah. Again, and I, I mean, and also. You know, you got to, when I first watched Dumbo, or when Dumbo first came out on video, it was at the same time that those adverts were going on. Yeah. Now, when I'm watching Dumbo, 
I'm not sitting there going, oh, this was made 40 years ago or no, no. however many years it was at that time. Um, I'm I'm seeing that at the same time seeing this. So yeah. last night I watched um, The Sword in the Stone for the first time in years. Yeah. Hadn't seen it. I love it. Great film. But every when I used to watch it as a kid, I used to think it's really weird how um, not the main character, but the, um, the, the, the other son in it, the one... So Arthur Wall is... Um, is kind of adopted by this man who has a son mm. and the son in the film I thought always reminded me of the characters from Dragon's Lair the old mm. Laserdisc video game do you remember that? No So Dragon's Lair was a, a video game that came out in the early 80s and it was made by Don Bluth who went on to do um, The Secrets of Nim yeah. uh, American Tale mm-hmm. he was a Disney animator and this video game was an animated video game. Mm. You couldn't pl- you couldn't control it properly. You could do actions to change the story. Yeah, but you, it was like playing a, a, an actual cartoon in real time. He drew the character. He drew some of the characters in the Sword in the Stone, and then twenty years later made Dragon's Lair. Yeah, and so actually, when you look at the character designs, yes, they are very identical. Probably because he was involved in the creation of both of them. Mm. There you go. This is the problem with having me on a podcast. <laughs> Your own fault. I told you. Well, told you. um, do do we have anything else to say apart from recommending that everybody consumes as much of the material on Black History Month as available to them? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess sort of. It was a sort of note that I wanted to make on the conversation earlier in the podcast of sort of because. We're all white people. Our experience of racism is basically all secondhand. It'll be limited to where we're basically around people that would be experiencing that. And we might not understand every instance of when it's actually happening. Of sort of... um, I mean, just sort of educating yourself as a first point, but... I guess um, we're sort of talking about um, trying not to be a bystander uh, when you see um, instances of racism in like conversations. The other thing, perhaps with older relatives, it's not like there's any excuse nowadays because it's not just about black people. It's about like Lithuanians and Polish people and the Welsh, and you know there is so much diversity out there. That is got no excuse. I've noticed um, out now. Being a university student now, um, you haven't mentioned that before. What you haven't mentioned that yet on the podcast? Uh, Haven't I? No. Um, How uh i i've been to like various online events obviously we can't do them in person right now but a lot of them are obviously not from the uk originally and it's just sort of it, it's not an issue it's not like a sort of big thing it's just that loads of people have come to this place to do to to study and to um be there in the pursuit of knowledge, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I, f- I think that's part of the sort of Aberdeen tagline back from the 1400s. Well, I suppose. No, um, pursuit of knowledge in... Is it? 
or pursuit of truth, something like that. Um, but it, it's just sort of it's a very different atmosphere to what I was used to at secondary school. In terms of it, it's a very um, you're growing up now. <laughs> it almost feels sort of more alive the world if that makes sense in which it, it feels more connected to everything rather than just insular and based around one area i suppose that's the thing you're not you're not just joining a a, a more um technically mature age group of people but the fact that they come from all over the world it's kind of it is a microcosm of our society now that everything is multicultural you know you the the days are, are disappearing quickly that that you can be amongst simply people of your nationality and color and and you know, that you've got any excuse to be ignorant of other people other other types of people like nowadays it's just like just get on with it get out there learn about other cultures you know respect other people even if they're different I think the I think the one thing that we have certainly seen in our lifetime at least is we have seen a shift towards more tolerance and more understanding. And there, if there's one thing that we've learned over the last couple of years, and especially you know over the last six months or so, it's that there's still a long way to go. Mm. I mean, there, there's definite improvement. One but there thing is still a long way to go with that sort of idea i think things have definitely gotten better in terms of tolerance of people that are different in a sort of vague way um oh both cameras are now gone um we'll wrap up on youtube now nick (laughs) we'll we'll wrap up very quickly um (laughs) subtle no i didn't mean that but um this sort of progression isn't a linear thing um that you can go back to say there were uh protests against racism in 1919 that could easily have been lifted from right now but the reaction from that sort of movement then led to like the Jim Crow laws and then in the civil rights movement you had a big backlash where the Ku Klux Klan got like really kind of scarily big uh, in the late sixties into the early seventies, I think as to the long point as... now where you've sort of got uh, like the Proud Boys or various other really kind of scary groups. But as long as, up as long as you keep a reaction of the sort of uh, movements of our contemporary times, as long as, as long as you generally keep things moving forward in terms of yeah, there's going to be steps back. But as long as it's two steps forward and one step back, and not the other way around, it's then s- slow and frustrating though yeah, being yeah. amongst it. Yeah, sounds like uh, Paul Abdul and uh, DJ Scat Cat, whatever his name was. No idea what you're talking about. Don't remember opposites of track. Two, two, two steps forward, one step back. No. Uh, yeah, possibly. Somewhere. She danced with an animated cat. It's very, very strange. But that was the nineties. <laughs> was this in the? I was going to say, was this in the nineties? Because yeah. I probably wasn't conscious. At the no, time if it was. No, you probably weren't. <laughs> probably weren't. Um, look, I just, I just wanted to because uh, I hadn't mentioned it. Um, obviously, this is one of the the first times I've seen you uh, with with haircut because Who, me? obviously, 
Yeah, I, I think I think we've done one podcast where you you've had the haircut, but I didn't mention it then. And I feel that the haircut now, the haircut. It's yeah. been there a while. Ah, uh, yeah, probably about probably about six months or so, maybe are longer we, than that. When... I've probably had it cut twice since then. But what are you going to say? It'd be nice when it's um, finished. I've, oh. I've never seen I've never seen you and Mickey Dolenz in the same room. Who? Mickey Dolenz. I know I know, I know the name. I know the name. Well. I know the name. I've heard the name. I'm he's from the monkeys. Yes, I thought so. But surely he'd be like a pensioner now. Well yeah, but I mean you don't just take what they look like now, right? You <laughs> you would take it when they you know look in their heyday. See when I had the ponytail and I was a taxi driver, like about twenty years ago, somebody mistook me for Marty Pello. <laughs> I can understand that as well, especially I being can't. where you were. No, I was in Northamptonshire at the time. <laughs> so was Marty Pello. Was he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the resemblance. Um, I'm going to have to flash up an image. Of, I thought it was what you were going to say then. Um, <laughs> this. No. D- let's finish the podcast. Be- Come on, because I I need a piss. <laughs> I need another beer. Yeah, and it's been like... And it's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, any final thoughts um, that you are desperate to um, ejaculate before we finish? Uh, no. Um, if you've had enough of my voice, or if you hadn't had enough of my voice, I'd we do have a load of something. podcasts. Yeah. Um, and uh, go and listen to uh, This Is Your Life. That's probably the best one. Um, and I can, <laughs> Is and that the one you get some money from? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think the chance of me making money from that podcast is slim to none, but it's the one that I've got potentially a chance of earning money from. But uh, no, at this moment, no, and probably unlikely to, but I'm having a damn good time doing it. So good stuff. Uh, go and listen to that. But um, gents, thank you for, for having me on. It's been a, a delight to talk about a, um, a sensitive subject. And I think, I think we've managed to do it in a, as, as delicate a way as for white men. <sighs> could do so i'm sure i shall be speaking to you soon on ego yes fingers crossed so um yes thank you very much for your contribution and and craig as well who's probably god knows where he is now but bed yeah hopefully passed out on the couch of his we're gonna go watch um, something that's uncomfortable not quite as much as Little Britain, but at times can be a bit uncomfortable. It was two pints of lager and a pack of crisps we're working our way through. That's uh, sometimes, uh, especially for how recent it is, it makes you yeah, think. Yeah, mm. it's a very, very odd show. I um, I worked on Ready, Steady, Cook in my TV days. And All right. We had uh, Will Mellor and Sheridan Smith on as guests. Yeah. And I didn't really watch the show that much. Um, but I knew of it and um, everyone was getting really excited that Sheridan Smith was coming in and I couldn't mm. work out why. And she was an absolute delight at the time. I don't know what she's like now. And, you know, you know, like sometimes people just have this aura about them where instantly you just kind of fall in love with them because they're so yeah. lovely and beautiful, yeah. just polite. Yeah. And that was her. Yeah. I had no expectations for her and she was absolutely delightful. I, I, I know she's had some troubles and I wish her the best, but um, yeah, that's my, that's my two pints of lager story. Well, we should wind up so that we can do, we can cut Nick off and then talk about him after the, uh, after the outro. Yes. 
uh, for another two hours. Right. So, shameless <laughs> butt plug aside. I've been Vovo. I've been the Orbiter. You haven't got I'm Nick. Nick. You got, you've been Nick. And the other wanker's been the Podfather. Yes, indeed. And this has been Breaking Bollocks, episode 69. 69, dudes. Racism. Thank you very much. I'm going to cut you off now. You just thumbs up racism. Um, do you think his camera's frozen? We were making him stay like that for ages. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done it. Oh. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm off. surprised Logic's kept going. Cut, cut off in his prime. Maybe it's because we've got Catalina on the case now. Catalina. Catalina. OS Catalina. Okay. Um, I better say thank you very much. We cut you off mid-splurge. <laughs> well, I was going to say, shall I stop the camera? But it's already stopped itself. Yeah, because we've been rambling on for longer than we'd normally do. Craig says, great, great episode. Hours. He hasn't listened to the rest of it yet, obviously. <laughs> um, See, I do wonder when I bollock on and try and meander my way through a thought process whether or not it's actually making any sense. It seems to sometimes. Yeah, you don't th- you're don't. you kind of losing the thread as you're talking and you're like, I've got to it's keep like, on because I'm just like... I'm I hope to- I've made a point by the end of this sentence, but um, please, please, which is when I go, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's fun. Anyway, uh, yeah, um... Couple of wankers there. Oh, Not yeah, on the we're call. We're still recording, aren't does. we? I forgot we're still recording. <laughs> um, I'm I'm busily. Uh, here. Yeah. Um, it's after birth time, isn't it? After birth. After after. That sounds like a after wank. Hang on. That sounds like a skin condition. <laughs> after wank is a. A skin condition, is it? I need Fork a wee, 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 Do you think I'm perhaps a little more serious when we have company? A little bit. Is that good? I don't know. I always feel like I'm talking over people. Yeah, that's because you usually are. Thanks. It's all right, though, am I? But they're the guests. We're the stars. Yeah, but I feel like I should let the guests speak because that's why they're there. Mm, well, uh, I don't know. That's not really the format of people, people don't people don't download Breaking Bollocks to listen to Nick and Craig, do they? Yeah, we don't really have like a weekly guest like a lot of other podcasts, I guess. No, it was a special occasion. I think it's evil next. Evil. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to go away and start plotting my evil, evil ways. Goodbye. Say goodbye to the people. Fuck off. That's not very nice. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.